Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the Outer Hebrides. This is the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon. I'm joined by Dave Somerville. Hello. And Jake McGee. Good evening. Gentlemen, week one is done. Week one is in the books. We're going to be recapping every single game. We're going to have a rapid-fire preview of week two. We've got our week one awards. We haven't done this before. The WinFL awards for week one. Um, and we've got random stats, of course. But we do start with the news. Mr. Jake McGee, would you like to take it away and let us know what has been happening in and around the NFL this week? We'll start off talking about money. And some people got paid lots of money. Some people got paid questionable amount of money. I'm going to start with the questionable. Uh, Chris Jones signs a one-year deal worth up to $25 million. His base remains the same, but he's got a chance to make up fines and much more. A couple of weeks ago, it was reported that he turned down a two-year, $54 million fully guaranteed deal because he wanted 64 Now he's coming back for no extra guarantees and less money, even if he achieves every bonus, which, you know, he's got every likelihood of because he's a great player. Not a fan of his agent. That is not uh, Kirk Cousins' agent, I tell you that. It's it's really yes, not. Yeah. No, it it yeah. was questionable. When 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 you told me what the the actual breakdown was, I looked at it. I went, that seems a little bit. Um, I'm not going to say suspect, obviously, but I just yeah, def- definitely questionable. Dave, what did you make of this contract? It's uh, not what we expected. I don't think. No, uh, I. I, I mean, obviously, just to echo what we both said, um, I think he should look into getting a new agent. But at the same time, you, you've got to question what the motives are between, behind accepting a contract that's less than what he was originally offered. Is there some sort of long-term plan maybe to leave at the end of the year? Maybe he's got something else, they've got something else lined up. Um you know, there, there could be a number of things. I, 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 I think we're missing a bit of the jigsaw, to be honest. And there, there's something that doesn't quite add up there, because you know he was wanting that. He was wanting that two year, sixty four million. He got a one year, twenty five million, and well, like well, offered, uh, I think two year, fifty four million. I think Jake said, and now he's accepted a one year, twenty five. So something doesn't sound right. Uh, but it, it, again, it is it is Chris Jones. You don't really tend to know what. Chris Jones is thinking uh, a lot of time. So, yeah, we can only guess at this stage. But, yeah, something doesn't feel right about it anyway. That's another one this year, this this off-season. Or, I suppose we're in the season now, and he's signing it. But uh, I saw it with Josh Jacobs, saw it with Saquon Barkley, and now Chris Jones. Well, they're signing one-year deals. I know that the um, franchise tag means you can only sign one-year deals. But they're signing one-year deals with no guarantee, or certainly not been released and you'd think the agent would release it no guarantee that they won't just get franchise tag next year so josh jacobs saquon barkley and chris jones could all be in the exact same situation next year so if i if you know if i'm chris jones saquon barkley however i'll say yeah i'll, I'll sign for one million uh you know one one year 11 million but i want it written in that you can't just franchise tag me next year and we don't go through this you know sing and dance again it, it's a bizarre one I have to admit. Now, as somebody else signed a contract in the Jake, a slightly larger contract, I think. Slightly larger, much more fully guaranteed, and I don't think anyone's questioned it except 
after they saw him play and thought, oh, hold on a second. Uh, this does not look like a man who's just signed a five-year, $275 million contract, 146 and a half fully guaranteed at signing. So I hope that was by bank because imagine being mugged with that on you. Um, it's all $219 million total guarantees by March of 2027. So his three-year average is $61 million per year. It's a very front-loaded deal, which is great for Joe Burrow because it means in three, four years, he gets another deal. He's laughing. Um, but Joe Burrow averaging 61 per year. And we I know we mention it all the time, but Patrick Mahomes on $50 million per year. It just looks ridiculous. Every single time someone signs a deal, it just looks more and more ridiculous. It does. Joey Burrow is now the highest-paid player in NFL history. Um, don't think anyone... As you already said, too surprised when, when the contract got signed. I mean, the guy, he's already been to a Super Bowl. He's looked fantastic the past two years. And you, you just think, you know, if he keeps this going within two or three years, this, this deal will look pretty good, you know. Uh, but, yeah, we'll talk about the effect that it had when we come to the game recap, which will be very shortly. Um, but, yeah, Dave... Joe Burrow, two hundred trillion a year. It's a lot. It's a lot of money. What do you think of that? It's a lot of money. Uh, but did I just hear Jake saying that it was not fully guaranteed? The two hundred seventy-five million. It was two hundred nineteen or something. Not the whole thing, Jake. Was it? Yeah, it's one hundred forty-six and a half fully guaranteed at signing, and two hundred nineteen million total guarantees. Is the numbers I've got. Okay, well, that is, the, I mean, the guarantees is a little bit significantly less than some of the other ones got guaranteed. So, uh, I, I mean, maybe it's just a case that he is backing himself with those kind of potential bonuses. Good deal for the Bengals? Yes. I mean, what we've seen over the last two years, we've got a fully fit, fully firing Joe Burrows. He's as good as any kind of, uh, the majority of quarterbacks in the league. He, he's, he is a really special talent. I don't think anyone who knows the game can dispute that. But sometimes big contracts have big effects and not always in the best ways. Well, I think we saw an effect straight away. The Bengals have released Lyle Collins mm. not even two years after he made his uh, signing with the Bengals. He was obviously supposed to be a big part of their offensive line, got injured, was still going to be a, a key part of the rotation once he, we came back, but he's been released. I mean... For me, I don't think, you know, I, I'm not ever going to dispute that Joe Burrow's worth that money, but months ago, weeks ago, he said that, you know, he's going to take a team-friendly deal because he wants to keep his weapons. That, don't don't lie. That's not a team-friendly deal. You know, it's, it's it, it, I'm sure, like I say, it's front-loaded. They might try and work around it. And I'm, I, they know a lot more than me, and I'm sure they know what they're doing. But that's not a team-friendly deal. You know, he's not taking a Tom Brady, you know, but so that they can go out and stack that team. You know, they're still probably going to lose T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd. You know, they're going to lose some weapons and lose some players. And They already didn't re-sign somebody last year that I'm going to mention later on. So, these you know, these players that are getting these big contracts absolutely do it for you. You know, get your money. I'm all for that. But don't come out and be like, oh, I'm going to take a team-friendly deal or I'm all about the team. Because if you were all about the team, you would take a little bit less to keep some of your, your playmakers around. Well, see, this is the thing. The thing is that Joe Burrow's agent, I'm sure, is an agent for someone else as well. All these agents have multiple clients. But uh, a team-friendly deal would have been 50 million over five years. 
There you go. Sorted. 50 million quid. How much money do you want? And you've got loads to spread around all over for your offensive line. Uh, it's not 61 a year. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Um, but we can't talk about money at all. They've got a big, long podcast ahead of us, gentlemen. Jake, anything else in the news before we jump into our week one recap? Just two quick little tidbits. Uh, Seahawks signed Jason Peters. I think he's 41. Uh, but I believe both their offensive tackles went down um, this week. So they've brought in some reinforcements and a heck of a reinforcement if you can kind of keep up to the, the level he's proven over. I think he was signed in like 2004, I think he was drafted. It was a long, long time ago. Uh, and then some good news, um, something that we mentioned last year, Tariq Cohen obviously had that um, video of his comeback on Instagram where he just ripped his Achilles out and it was heartbreaking. Uh, well, he's signing with the Panthers. He hasn't played since 2020 due to injuries. And that's quite a nice little backfield, I would say. Miles Sanders, Chuba Hubbard, and now Tariq Cohen, who also figures out to be you know, special teams return. I think that could be a very savvy signing. Uh, it is. We, we, we said it uh, you know, when, he, when the injury happened. It was a horrendous injury. Um, but the Bears really missed him. It really, really missed him, not just in the running game and the receiving game, but in special teams, the return game. He was one of the most dynamic returners in the entire league, and they really, really missed him. So uh, I think he's, you're right, Jake, great addition for the Panthers. Dave, what do you make of that? Teddy Cohen to Carolina. I like it. I really like it. Um, I, I'm not quite sure about the way that we found out because it was through his wife's instagram post i think it was that uh, it seemed to go across x witter whatever we want to call it now um but yeah it's that, that that's a positive thing he, he the, there's some players that have been incredibly unlucky with injury and he is right up there uh with the unluckiest because you know he had a career end well a potentially career ending injury coming back from it got another one that could have ended his career but you know, a year. I think it was what twenty twenty that he originally got injured. We are now coming up to the end of twenty twenty three, and he's finally managed to get himself uh, a roster spot. Now, um, you're right when you say that the Bears really missed him, but I I think that um, that affected their season in the way that it put everything on David Montgomery. Everything was on David Montgomery in that backfield. We know how much the bear the Bears last year, especially light running. Tariq Cohen was going to be a concrete block in that running unit and in that run game. And and you know, just a cruel injury. Uh and what's becoming the new I mean, uh, what a couple of seasons ago it was ACL tears left, right and centre, and now it seems to be Achilles uh, tears left, right and centre. And there's a lot of calls about the turf. You know, so something might have to be done. We uh, we don't like non-grass any non-grass surfaces we hate them on this podcast and i think we're starting to see evidence of what our points are i just uh this turf thing you know it's been massively blown out of proportion because aaron Rodgers got injured guess what baltimore lost four starters six injuries in total they were playing on grass uh, injuries happen i i don't care if you play on turf you play on grass injuries happen we saw it in the super bowl the, the grass was and the reserve was awful. Um, but people at JG Water said, you know, inclement weather and, you know, bad weather, turf is great because grass is awful. So there's pros and cons to everything. But I, I think this 
it being blown out of proportion is just mental. Because, like I say, the Ravens had a massive injury bug this week, lost some key players, four starters, and guess what? They were not playing on turf. Yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, those Ravens injuries, and it because, gentlemen, I believe it is time for our Week One recap, twenty twenty three. You've waited patiently through the off season. Watched with anticipation all the trades, signings, drafts, and cuts. And now, it's finally here. It's week number one of the 2023 NFL season. And we are going to start, gentlemen. We're starting with the Detroit Lions and the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium. G-E-H-A, don't care, it's Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, for the unveiling, the Super Bowl champion Chiefs unveiling the flag there in front of 73,522 fans. They welcomed the Lions to come in and the Detroit Lions did not disappoint. What a fantastic game this was. Uh, the Lions took a 7-0 lead in the first quarter. Chiefs bounced back with two touchdowns before halftime, 14-7 going in. And then in the second half, it was 14-6 to the Lions as they come away with a 21-20 victory in Week 1, spoiling the Chiefs' hometown a Super Bowl party and this was a great game guys this was a really entertaining game and fourth downs the Lions are going for it the Chiefs are going for it there was all kinds of things going on and in the end the Chiefs just could not get it done and we have to talk we absolutely have to talk about Kadarius Tony in this game the man just couldn't catch a cold. It was appalling. The I, I the uh, Mahomes' interception, just I mean, you and it's going to get classed as an interception against Patrick Mahomes' stats. We know that that literally couldn't have hit him any better in the hands. Uh, bounced up and uh, taken back by the Lions there, and then he had three or four terrible drops in this game, but. Because Travis Kelsey did not play, he was questionable, and then he ended up not playing in this game. You could tell they missed Travis Kelsey, the Chiefs, but Kadarius Tony just killed him. But props to the Lions. Uh, Dave, we'll put it to you. Detroit, Kansas City, what did you think of this Thursday night game? I think it says a lot uh, about Patrick Mahomes that he had, I think it was 11 different receptions to be 11 different people that he had completed receptions to. Um, I, I mean, he, he was 21 of 35, uh, 21 of 39 uh, in the game for 226 yards, two TDs, and his first interception in week one in his career, as I think is what the stat I saw. And that he, he can send a personal thank you to Kadarius Tony for that, um, because Tony was horrific. And the, I think it makes it even worse considering how he's been on social media the last couple of weeks. Uh, because, well, he went a little bit quiet after the Chiefs-Lions game because he, he had been dishing it out. But you know what? I'm not going to get anything away from the Lions. They went to the Super Bowl champions and they beat them. And they were heavy underdogs as well. And in our pickums, I was the only one that picked the Lions. And because I had belief and yet... Also, I think I, I saw somewhere, Jared Goff is undefeated against Patrick Mahomes. Not words I ever thought I would utter. It's certainly not. He's, uh, Jake, he's going to keep bringing up these pickums. He's going to keep doing this. You know this. Well, he's, uh, Jared Goff is Eli Manning to Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady. He really is his kind of kryptonite. Um, I went in as a pretty much a neutral. Uh, if anything, 
being an NFC team, the Chiefs winning would have been better. Seeing John, whatever his name is, Taylor, John James, mm-hmm. whatever the, the oh, right tackle, yeah. seeing him line up as a fullback every play and <laughs> still jumping. Um, by half time, if anyone not follows me on Twitter, by half time I was actively rooting for the Lions because I was, I was getting very very annoyed. Um, but the Lions, I mean, going for it on your own seventeen yard line, fourth and two, uh, and fake punting. I mean, on your first drive, that's a that's a statement. Uh, I'm on Ross St. Brown. Still very good at football. I don't give. You know, I understand Kadarius Tony was awful. There was drop passes. I'm not gonna give. I'm, I don't really understand why everyone's like Patrick Mahomes was playing with like Steve, Jim, and Bob out there. He has the same weapons as Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones had Kadarius Tony and Rich James. Justin Herbert for multiple games last year had no wide receiver and tight end. Like had none of his starting wide receivers and tight ends. They didn't get this kind of like oh that's a shame. They would have won. And Mike Tirico at the end of the game saying that there's an asterisk next to this win for the Lions because Travis Kelsey didn't play is absolutely disgusting. One of the worst things I've heard an announcer say. Yeah. How can you take a moment away from the Detroit Lions like that? When you see the Lions kneel it, Jared Goff turn around, throw the ball, pump up the crowd, the Lions fans making their voices heard in Arrowhead, which is unheard of, and you you close out the the, the game by saying that there's an asterisk next to that win. Outrageous. No, you can't you can't say that if Kelsey had been playing, they would have won the game. You you just can't say that. Because you don't know that. What you can say is that if Tony had caught some of those passes, they might have won the game uh, that's that's all you can see but you can see that about every single game in the nfl you know it's these uh, games are won and lost by a matter of inches and which way the ball bounces we all know this I can't say this asterisk next to it well done to the detroit lions i know you and mcphail is ecstatic ecstatic at this result he was just absolutely on cloud nine at this one uh so gentlemen we're going to move on we're going to move on to sunday the sunday games and we're starting off with the carolina panthers and the atlanta falcons in front of 69,597 fans they watch the panthers go in and they watch the falcons come in and b john robinson is a receiver who knew it. This guy can catch the ball as well as run. He looked very, very good indeed. The Atlanta Falcons came away with um, 14 points in their fourth quarter to uh, bring it out from, from a 10-10 tie to a 24-10 victory. Um, two rushing touchdowns by Tyler Algier um, for the Falcons there. Um, this rushing attack looks just about as good as it did last year, perhaps even better. I mean, they really, really looked good uh, rushing the ball. Although, I mean, the Panthers were no slouchers themselves. They had 154 uh, yards themselves, but it was those two touchdowns that did it for the Falcons. Um, Jake, will put it to you. Atlanta, Carolina, what did you make of this one? No, I, I liked both their ground games, and it does worry me going forward as a Saints fan. Um, please don't say it too loud as a neutral that Bijan Robinson is a receiver because he'll stop getting the ball because Arthur Smith hates receivers. Um, <laughs> Desmond Ritter caught more passes from Desmond Ritter than Drake London did, which is just ridiculous how you can spend... You know, if you're not going to pass to your wide receivers and you're, you're going to commit to this ground game, absolutely, if that's working for you, do it. Don't spend a number five overall pick on a tight end and a first-round pick on a wide receiver if you're going to do that. I mean... I know he's saying, oh, Drake London doesn't care. You know, a win's a win. That's all that matters. 
Absolutely, as a team, that's all that matters. You think Drake London and his agent aren't absolutely fizzing, thinking in a year or two, I'm going to come up for a contract and my stats are going to say 18 catches for 100 yards a season. Um, I think he is going to be pretty unhappy. And you can only be one-dimensional for so long. And then my final parting comment before I hand it over to Dave is Hayden Hurst. Great game. But launching the number one overall picks, first touchdown into the crowd. Come on, man. You can't be doing that. <laughs> that was actually quite funny, wasn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, it was. When he did that, you could see all the announcers going, what's going on here? What are you going? Someone needs to go and get that ball back. Dave. I did see a tweet from Hayden Hurst after saying that it, uh, they threw it back. So, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, catastrophe averted. Um, I think it was, but yeah, the, the commentators were not impressed. Just kind of freaking out uh, at this point. But um, I, I do also want to um, highlight just one defensive player for the Falcons, and that would be Jesse Bates because he, he picked off you know the the brand new star man in the league, uh, Bryce Young, twice. Uh, it, I mean, Desmond Ritter, he, despite his is you know throw complete reception from Desmond Ritter to Desmond Ritter uh, is he, he was actually fifteen of eighteen in the match. So when he did throw it, it, it wasn't the biggest throws in the world, but he was completing them. Uh, I, I think that that's what I, did he even start last year? Did he start a couple of games maybe towards, towards the end of the season? Yeah, towards the end. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's Falcons doing Falcons things, but just throwing him in at the deep end. But um, yeah, so he's he's gone through a full preseason with the idea that he's going to be the first kind of quarterback. He's going to be the starting quarterback. Kept it clean, no interceptions, some questionable decisions, I suppose, at times. But Robinson looks the real deal. Uh, that, I mean, that that step, he, you know, his first touchdown, he retired a poor Panthers, <laughs> poor Panthers defender there. Um, but between Robinson and Algier, nine receptions between the two of them. Uh, and only six went away from the two of them, including one to Desmond Ritter himself. So I, I'm completely agreeing with Jake what he's saying about the Falcons right now. They ju- they're just they're treating their wide receivers with contempt al- almost. Um, but Falcons coach is coming in as joint favorite for coach of the year. So that's an I think he's quite highly highly thought of. But um, yeah, I, I, the Panthers on offense seemed a, a lot better than the Falcons, but the, 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 the Falcons uh, just kind of ran over the defense in the fourth quarter, and I think that was the only difference between the two. Panthers have a lot of work to do, uh, so I, I think their season is not over. Their run game, like Jake was saying, is fantastic, um, but apart from that, a few sacks here and there, um, and remember there's also been a lot of... Um, talk about Brian Burns, about what his future holds. He's got one year left and, you know, we were talking about uh, last week with their stupid denial of that stupid trade from the Rams and Les Need, which should have cost him his job, but you know, we'll, 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 skim, we'll skim over that. Um, but yeah, that you know, it's competent enough from him, but Panthers just not got that killer bite just yet, so I think it's a wait and see for the Panthers, but Falcons get off to the win start. They do indeed. We move from the NFC South to the AFC North. It was the Battle of Ohio. Cincinnati Bengals went to Cleveland to visit the Browns in front of 67,919 fans. Joey Burrow, the man on 61 million a year. Well, 
he did not have the best game. He went 14 of 31 for 82 yards in this game. I'm going to be honest, Deshaun Watson didn't look much better at all. He was 16 at 29, 154 uh, with a touchdown and an interception, though he did run for a touchdown as well. This was an awful performance by the Cincinnati Bengals. It was a fantastic performance by Miles Garrett in particular. I thought he was outstanding. Um, I know they're going to blame the weather, but we've seen games played in a lot worse weather than that, and the, the teams have been better. But the one thing I wanted to take away from this was that the Cleveland Browns pulled their starters with about five minutes to go in the game with the ball down by 17 points. And just the, the Bengals. Did, sorry, did the, you Bengals. Say the Browns. Yeah. Did I see the Browns? Yeah. I beg your pardon. The Bengals. And they literally just threw in the towel with five minutes to go in the game. And I thought that is absolutely appalling. And whoever made that decision, if it was a head coach, should be ashamed of himself for doing that. And I understand saying, well, you know, we didn't think the game was winnable. Um, we, so we don't want Burrow getting hurt. We've just paid him $200 million. I get that. I understand that. But you went down by 40 points with 30 seconds to go. This was an imminently winnable game. And they, pulled, they, they gave up. Dave, I'll, I'll put it to you first. I, I couldn't believe it. I was literally shell-shocked watching this going what have they done because when i saw burrow wasn't in i thought something's happened it's not like burrow was pulled uh so because they're looking for a spark from the backup we've seen that happen before starters don't play well they get taken out to see if the backup can do anything they've sat half their offensive team with four minutes to go they this was a give up by the cincinnati bengals sorry dave i asked you what your thoughts and then i talked for another three minutes dave take it away what did you make of this i don't like no matter what the team is aside from the 49ers and Seahawks I don't like seeing a team display a loser mentality and that's what that was basically uh, Joe, Joe Burrow has essentially become one of the highest paid athletes in the world in any sport uh, with that new contract right and his 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 rating in that match we we don't obviously we don't we're, we're kind of Humming and hiring whether how how accurate quarterback rating is at times, you know, it, it can it can display it can display some uh, indications, but not everything. Joe Barr was fifty two point two in this match. Okay, so fourteen of thirty one for eighty two yards, and he, he was also sacked two times. Uh, I think the only I, I don't think he he got intercepted uh, in that match, but I think that was the only positive whatsoever from Cincinnati. They just could not get a drive down the field. They just couldn't. Joe Mixon was struggling. He averaged about four yards uh, a carry. Jamar Chase, a, a few good catches. T. Higgins, though. But T. Higgins was just nothing. He, he, I think he was targeted eight times that I counted in the match and not one completion. I don't know why. I, I genuinely don't know why. It, there was... Um, I mean, on defense, I mean, the defense had to try to do something. They, they, they kept the score at 24. It could have been a lot worse, but it could be a heck of a lot better for the Bengals. They could have made a game of it. You know, they just, they, this is, uh, I'll, I'll put an example, which I, I know I'm putting it back to my own team, but last year, what's the first thing they did, they did with Baker in training when he came in? 
they, they covered one main part. The two-minute drill. Exactly. If you've got two, three, two-minute drills in the fourth quarter, that's a potential 21, in theory, 24 points. That could have leveled up the game. Display some sort of fight. It's essentially a rivalry. It's a local rivalry, essentially. You know, Battle of Ohio, like you said. Why are you just going to let them walk away with the win? Easy, easy. They're they're not out. They weren't out of sight, and they weren't playing great. That defensive line, in in fairness, did tear apart the ben- the Bengals' O line. Miles Garrett is just a brute and should be arrested for numerous assaults in that game. Multiple, like just pancakes and uh, oh, you're uh, like fifty, sixty pounds heavier than me. Boom, get out the way. Well, that, that's exactly what Miles Garrett kind of attitude was. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I think I think Joe Burrow wasn't fit. I don't think he was one hundred percent fit in that game. You know, we've, he's had he's had a disrupted preseason between contract negotiations, a, a couple of niggling injuries here and there. Bengals have a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do if they're going to have any chance at any kind of Super Bowl or big playoff run. A lot of work. So the thing is, uh, Jake, just before I put it to you, uh, there was talk about Joe Burrow not being 100%. If that's the case, don't play him. Don't play him. If you're going to pull him because you're worried he might get injured, then, then he shouldn't be out there. Give the backup a chance. It was, it was, it was terrible. Burrow played really badly in this game. Really mm-hmm. badly. Jake, it's all yours. What did you make of it? Well, I've not got too much left on my notes uh, <laughs> from what you guys have gone through. <laughs> so, the the, the 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 Cincy defense, you know, Dave mentioned they had three sacks, six tackles for loss, an interception, a fumble recovery. They they tried, they tried their best, and the Browns, like you mentioned, they did not get much done throughout the air. Uh, running game is still very very good. Uh, up ten and zero at half, there was an awful awful interception from Watson. He had all day to throw. Had probably ten seconds in the pocket. Then he rolled out, extended the play which is good, and then just threw it straight to a Bengal. It was, uh, th- there was only one worse pick I saw, and I- we'll cover that later on, but it was just very, very bizarre. Um, two very interesting teams, but I don't know how, as an organization, the NFL has allowed Jim Swartz to get Miles Garrett, Darius Smith, Shelby Harris. Like This uh, Browns defense is going to be a problem under Jim Swartz. I would not fancy going up to a cold, raidy, Ohio and having to face those monsters. No, not at all. They really did look good. Need to keep an eye on this uh, Browns defense going forward. Uh, so, gentlemen, the Bengals, big cats, did not do much. However, however, over in Indianapolis, the Jacksonville Jaguars, Doug Peterson's big cats, they certainly did a number. In front of 65,749 fans, the Jaguars took off after having a really bad third quarter when the Colts scored 14 points, uh, led it 14, to, 14 points to three. The Jacksonville Jaguars went 14 points of their own in the fourth quarter. Travis Etienne with a 26-yard rush with four minutes so eight, uh, put, this, put them up by 10 and they finished with a 31-21 win. Calvin Ridley caught the first touchdown of this uh, game from Trevor Lawrence, nine-yard pass uh, in the first quarter. It was good to see Calvin Ridley back. It really, really was good to see Calvin Ridley back. He had eight catches for 101 yards. Uh, Trevor Lawrence looked really good. He did have one interception, but he looked really good in this game. And Anthony Richardson, I am happy to say, looked very competent in this game. 
I, I liked what I saw from him. I was worried he was just going to be absolutely just torn to pieces on this team. But he really showed some of the athletic ability that he showed in the combine. Because as we've already said, we didn't see much of it in college. Um, but he looked really good. Jake, uh, Jaguars Colts, what did you think of this one? Well, very much like Mahomes' inception, Trevor Lawrence's inception was not on him either. He threw it to Bigsby, who kind of passed it to the defender. It was a very odd, like he tried to catch it, it just ended up kind of popping up a very easy interception. So again, not really on Trevor Lawrence. He played fantastic. The Jaguars end a five-game losing streak at Indy. They'd actually lost nine of their last ten. So they kind of killed, or got kind of the monkey off their, their back. It was a pretty ugly game in terms of fourth down conversions. The Jaguars were one of three. The Colts went one of five. And then I thought, oh, wow, that's pretty bad. Third down was even worse. The, the Jaguars went three of 12. And the Colts went two of 12. So it was uh, not a good time for converting you know, third and fourth down this game. My biggest worry was for Richardson in terms of protecting himself. And even Trevor Lawrence kind of at the end of the game said to him, like, you know, you're a great player. You're going to be in the league for a long time stop taking as many hits you know you i completely understand in terms of he doesn't have that many weapons and he's a playmaker and he's you know home debut nfl debut trying to you know kind of carry the team but he's taking some unnecessary and a lot of hits which is concerning kind of down the road you don't want to see another andrew look kind of situation where he's retiring after six seven years because he's just breaking down um but my favorite play of this game and there was another game where I saw this as well, and it really, it's my favorite play in the NFL, where you see someone catch the ball, and you see another player, whether it's an offensive lineman, a wide receiver, a running back, from about 20 yards back, running in front of them and dropping a great block. Travis Etienne um, completely cleared someone out for Calvin Ridley on one of his catches, and it was just, that's the kind of thing I see, and I go, okay, that's a good team. Those players are fighting for each other. You know, it's very easy. You see Calvin Ridley 20 yards down the field, catch a ball, and you're like, cool, we've got a first down. You know, catch my breath. I'm probably going to get the ball next time. He went, no, I can go out there and I can go help him. He runs past everybody, nails the defender. Calvin Ridley gets five, six extra yards. That that was great to see. But uh, I shall hand over to Dave for his thoughts. Dave, it's all yours. I mean, uh, the, I wanted to highlight Tank B- Bigsby because he had a really eventful game. Um, because I'm pretty sure, did he not fumble the ball at some point as well? Uh, if I vaguely remember, but um, yeah, that that one throw from Trevor Lawrence to him, he wasn't thrown to again after, uh, before or after that. So that was one contribution uh, to the receiving game. But uh, he and he also got a touchdown just to round it off. So he had a pretty eventful game to Tank Bigsby. Um, Calvin, I was kind of I had Red Zone on my iPad and I had various games because there was a game that we'll cut we'll talk about shortly that i thought i had a little bit of optimism for but then a lot of early scores happened so i kept flicking between other games and i just caught the the jaggers game just as calvin ridley uh, got his touchdown so i was really pleased to see that but you know i won't go into the details about what happened previously we've already talked about that plenty uh but it's he, he just he doesn't even look like he's missed a step he looks br- fresh he looks. He, he actually reminds me of uh, Travis Etienne last year, coming back. You know, afresh a, a after a bad injury. In this case, obviously Ridley was suspended, but neither of them look like they missed a step. They just look like brand new players that they've acquired. 
really glad to see it. And of course, we have a slight soft spot on this post- podcast for the Jaguars. So, yeah, the, and Anthony Richardson does look quite good. I think he's more raw, unrefined talent, if that makes sense. He's got a lot of adjustments to make. I re- I did really like Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you know, speaking to him after about. Uh, yeah, you know, the, these tackles build up. They're not. It's not the same here. Uh, so, you know, be careful and whatnot. But um, I think he's got a bright future. I, I think I was very unsure pre preseason, but I think he does have a bright future. So I, I wish him the best of luck. He did kept throwing to in my notes. It was Josh Downs he kept throwing to. So it was seven targets, but only managed three uh, receptions from it. So a good a good few targets for him. But he was throwing at about. Seemed to know the routes as well very well. So a bright start for Anthony Richardson. Couldn't quite get it done in the first game. I said I think the Colts have actually got a good a good draft pick this time. Yeah, I mean, Pittman had a really good um, catch and run on second and twenty eighth. He kind of extended the play and mm-hmm. dove for the end zone. That was really good. And then just to to talk about the big speed by the way, I think Trevor Lawrence was in the motion of throwing the ball. Kind of the tuck rule again. We'll cover this in another game. Um, the ball went forward. Bigsby kind of picked it up, thinking the play was dead. There was no whistle, as the referee should do. Not whistle it, let the play play out. The Forrest Buckner kind of sees this, punches it out, picks it up, scores. Jaguars all kind of stand there very confused. Refs did the right thing. They let the play go on. You, you know, worst thing, if it turns out it wasn't a fumble, you can just call it back. But at least let the play develop so that you can make the right decision. Yes, indeed. Uh, just before we move on to the next game, uh, Brandon McManus went five out of five in his kicks. So that was nice. That was <laughs> good, good for Brandon. <laughs> Foreshadowing, I now, That's yeah. cool. Moving on, <laughs> moving on uh, from one tank to another tank. The Arizona Cardinals against the Washington Commanders. They're not tanking. I'm just saying. Um, the Arizona Cardinals went to Washington, and in front of 64,693 people, they almost squeezed a, a win. They, they nearly did. They were winning 16-10. to 10. But the Commanders came back with 10 points in the fourth quarter. Sam Hill had a six-yard rush, and Joey Sy kicked a 33-yard field goal. Must be nice to kick field goals. And, uh, yeah, the the... the, the Commanders come away with a 20-16 victory in this one against the Cardinals. Now, Joshua Dobbs was thrown in for the Cardinals. And he was fine. He, he didn't have, throw any interceptions, didn't throw any touchdowns. 21-30, only 132 yards. Not a lot of, of big plays down the field. Uh, rushing the ball, James Conner looked okay. Um, but over in Washington, Sam Howell was very hot and cold in this game. Very, very hot and cold in this game. Um, Dave, we'll put it to you first. The Arizona Cardinals, the Washington Commanders, it wasn't a great game. Washington really should have won this by a lot more than they did, but they were so on and off. What did you make of it? I mean, Sam Hull got battered in this game. He was he, six sacks registered on him, so... His first, you know, that's a rough start to his kind of uh, starting NFL career. That that's a a big, you know. Um, he, I mean, he's going. He's not going to be able to uh, run very well uh, on Monday, the day after. If the Commanders have any chance of having any decent season, their offensive line needs to buck up and really get their ideas in order because. You cannot protect a quarterback with some of the basic errors that they were making, and it was 
constant. That they, they like Sam Hill, he he did kind of he had a it was delaying up just a bit too much on one or two plays, but and then there was other plays where he had just a no chance whatsoever. But you know, again, like you were saying about Joshua Dobbs on the other side, he had, he had, he had a pretty good game. That he's he's a good backup to have. Uh, you know, Twenty one or thirty, no no interceptions. He didn't have any touchdowns, but um, but what he was basically instructed to do, you know, the plays by either his coach or the coordinator, he did, he did fairly well. He did, did anything bad. Zach Ertz was his favourite target, which I have no qualms about whatsoever. He's one, he's a top tight end. I think he's a top 10 tight end, I would say. It was like Battle of the Wooden Spoon vibes. They were both just terrible. I mean, they, they, they both had... They, they, their defences were made to look good by the lack of offence on each team. So... I, I I don't know what else to make of it, to be honest. I think it was just a game where one team had to be slightly worse than the other, but the winning team was still terrible. So it, I, I just, I have no... I mean, I, I was falling asleep watching the highlights of this, and it wasn't a very long highlight, to put it that, like that. But um, yeah, it, it was... I think both teams have a lot of work to do to get anything from this season. And I, and I think our predictions for the Cardinals being very, very high up the draft are pretty accurate, I'm afraid. And I think the commanders won't be far behind. Jake, what did you make of it? I mean, if the Cardinals are tanking, someone should tell the defense. And like they said, six sacks, <laughs> yeah. they had six tackle for losses, seven pass defense, two fumble recoveries. The only touchdown they scored was off a Sam Howell fumble. Uh, Dobbs played okay. He should learn how to hold onto the ball. He had three fumbles himself, lost two of them. The only other kind of note I had was Brian Robinson Jr. saved a few fantasy uh, leagues, I believe. He looked quite promising, kind of massively out snapped Antonio Gibson, who lost a fumble, which isn't going to help his kind of snap percentage going forward. But yeah, it was just a very ugly game. Amanda should have won by 20, 30 points, you know, on paper, and instead. They scrape a win, but hey, it counts. You know, you only get the one in the win column either way, so it all counts. And hopefully, they'll kind of this might be a reality check, like Dave said, especially for the offensive line to say, "Oh, hold on, when we go play Dallas, we are going to get it alive if we play like that." I think it was eleven total punts in the game. That's between the two. Six, uh, I think it was six for the Commanders, five for the Cardinals. So make of that what you will. That wasn't, yeah, it wasn't great offensive football from a neutral point of view. Uh, so moving on, gentlemen, we come to the Houston Texans who travel to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. And in front of 70,136 fans, the Baltimore Ravens come away with a 25-9 to win. A bit of a bizarre one. But there was a two-point conversion uh, by Gus Edwards after the first of uh, Justin, Justice Hill's um, two two-yard rushes uh, for touchdowns and the Ravens in this one it, it, it was kind of weird Houston from a from a passing point of view CJ Stroud looked quite a bit better than Lamar Jackson which I did not think I was going to see but there was a lot of sacks uh, he, he got battered as well in this one as and uh, Damian Pierce was the leading rusher for the team, but they, they really couldn't get much of the running game. Now, Jake, you already mentioned the injuries in this game. So I'm going to get you to talk about this one first. As I say, 25-9 to 9 to the Ravens. It wasn't, didn't actually look that convincing a win, considering I think everyone thought that they were going to just blow the Texans clean out of the water. What did you make of it? 
Not everybody. I picked a very close game. I'm, okay, I'm high on the Texans. They just need to learn oh. how to turn field goals to touchdowns because th- this game could have been very close, if not borderline Texans winning, if they could just kind of figure out red zone issues and turn those field goals into touchdowns. Now, Stroud looked okay uh, for a first start, but there was an awful sack on the first play of the second half. They were 9-6 down in, yeah, they scored I believe, a field goal right at the end. They were only 9-6 down. They got the ball. He rolls out. Pocket collapses. There's a player chasing him. Throw the ball away. Throw the ball away. Throw the ball. Just kept going back and back and back and just took the sack and lost monster yardage. It's just a veteran doesn't do that. A veteran throws that ball away. You live to fight another day. Taking a sack like that, that's just that's just what happens on your first start. I'm sure the coaches have gone over it this week and it won't happen again and he, he will get better. But that was that was a very bad play to, to see. Uh, Zay Flowers, on the other hand, looks like the real deal. He looks just fantastic. Will Anderson Jr. looked good as well. He had three sacks, five, well, as a team, they had three sacks, five tackles for a loss. The only other kind of note I had was that somebody needs to cut J.K. Dobbins a break. I mean, just brutal. I've never, you know, we talked about players being unlucky, like Tariq Cohen. I mean, he's gone into his last year. I think this is his fourth year, so his last year of his, his rookie deal. And just every year, there just seems to be something with him. You just got a feel for him. Uh, he was having a kind of a good game. He was involved in a lot of ways. And then. Down he goes again and out for for the year. Yeah, pretty sad for G.K. Dobbins. That's a, a a big loss for for the for the Ravens there. Dave, what did you make of the game? Jake's pretty much covered the nearly everything I had. I think the only other player I wanted to highlight was Rokon Smith for the Ravens. I mean, sixteen total tackles, including a sack and two tackles for loss. That that that's that's a kind of you know when when your offense is questionable which i i think i agree with exactly with what you said about lamar he looked very not the lamar we're used to i think is what i would say yeah you know, he was a bit uh, almost rusty he when he was gonna ru- run and uh and you know take off he had a couple of good runs so you know he had i think one for 14 15 yards remember apart from that he didn't have a whole lot uh, he, he was to get out of the pockets comfortably, uh, if you want to say that. But I think that was maybe just down to the Texans doing really well. Um, and uh, players like Will Anderson doing well off the edge. I think that the Ra- if the Ravens do what happened, or what, if that, what happens to the Ravens that happened last year to them injury-wise happens, I think they're in a lot of trouble. Uh, and, we, and we don't wish the injuries on these players, but I think they need, need to cut a break. And... Yeah, I think. Uh, oh, and just a quick word on the Texans uh, quarterback, CJ Stroud. I like what I saw, but again, like Jake said, I'd already noted it as well. A little bit of an experience. So here we go. It's I think um, Texans have a bright future. Ravens need to maybe take a step up if you want to be at the top. Very tough division they're playing in as well. Um, okay, so we then move over to the NFC where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers went to Minnesota to take on the Vikings in front of 66,741 fans. And Baker Mayfield in his debut for the Buccaneers, he played really well in this game. I was, I thought he looked really, really good. Not flashy, and the stats certainly don't uh, re- reflect that. Sorry, the stats certainly reflect the fact that he didn't look flashy. But when it came down to it and he needed to get the first down to that final drive up by three points, he was able to do so and keep the ball away from Kirk Cousins. And if you just look at the stats, if you just look at Cousins' stats and Mayfield's stats, 
you would swear the Vikings won this by 20 points. But they didn't. And there was a lot of missed opportunities by the Vikings. They could have scored a lot more points than they did. Justin Jefferson did his thing. He had 150 yards uh, receiving in this game. But the Buccaneers were there when it counted. Baker Mayfield showed a lot of grit and he was running for first downs and making some pretty clutch throws as well. Dave, I'll put it to you first. Uh, Baker Mayfield, I thought, looked really good. Probably the best uh, Buccaneers quarterback has looked since about 2019. <laughs> of course you would say that <laughs> just um kirk i mean kirk cousins he, he was he was pretty good it, it just there was when he looked not so good he looked really bad it, it was kind of a, a polar opposites basically but i i, I think minnesota the, i think minnesota should make a trade I think they should trade for some some kind of second string running back of, of the Jets. Uh, chef? No, it's not Chef. It's another word for Chef. Oh, it's Cook. That's right. Uh, this guy, I can't remember his name. Calvin? Calvin Cook? No, Dalvin Cook. Because that is who they missed in that in this game. And the Alexander Madison, take nothing away from him. He's a, he's a decent running back. But he's not Dalvin Cook. They missed Dalvin Cook. Pay him a little bit extra money. That it's, it was definitely worth it. They they had nothing in the run game whatsoever. I mean, out of all their rushing attempts, and that includes Kirk Cousins' seven yards from his three rushes. I mean, borderline rushes. They averaged two point four yards per rush. That's you're not going to win games. And I think uh, the, there was a couple of turnovers if I remember rightly. The ball came out. I think it was it if it was from Kirk Cousins. I think maybe once or twice he maybe two fumbles, but I know I know I know he threw a pick. Justin Jefferson just carried on doing his thing. T.J. Hawkinson, the new highest paid tight end, he made a good few catches. He just didn't get many yards for the catch. Uh, but yeah, the Vikings are missing something, and well, one or two things. But the main thing is our run game. They they their defense was okay, but they just. They, they should have won that easily. I mean, we, we all predicted an easy win for the Vikings, if I remember rightly. Just Baker to basically tank in that game or just be terrible. Baker turned up. Kirk Cousins did for about 90%, but then that 10% completely overwhelmed his 90%, I'm afraid. So, yeah, an interesting game. Vikings are going to be their classic kind of selves of the last couple of years of just hot and cold, I think, for the rest of the season. So, here, here go Vikings, classic... Eight and nine, nine and eight season. Well, you, you mentioned uh, Matson that he had 11 carries for 34 yards. That's not going to get it done. Nope. It's just not. Not when you're used to the production you've had for the past four seasons. Uh, but Jake, before I put it over to you here, the, the Buccaneers defense looked pretty good in this game. They, they did. It's not The Vikings did make some horrible mistakes, but the Bucs defense did look good. Um, but do you think maybe that this is going to be... Because last year, they had all these close games and they won them. Do you think this is maybe Cameron just flipping it and going, okay, so last year we gave you 10 wins by, you know, one or two points. This year, it, you're going to lose a few of them. What do you think, Jake? Well, so 11 one-score games last year, so uh, you can only 11? kind of... <laughs> yes, you can only kind of... You know, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. For the Vikings, there was three first-half turnovers. There was, like Dave said, there was two fumbles, and then there was an interception in the red zone with 16 seconds left. Even if you just take a field goal instead of forcing it there, different game. Uh, I don't feel sorry for the Vikings in any way, shape, or form. There was an 
a ridiculously phantom pass interference on a failed third down. I, there was absolutely nothing wrong with it. And, it, you know, I don't like the books. And there was nothing wrong with it. Um, meant they, the Vikings got another shot at it. They next play pass it to Madison. He, he walks it in. So I thought that was very harsh on the books myself. Um, Baker started three for 11. So to finish 21 or 34 and kind of, pl- you know, play out as he did, I think he really built into the game. Might have been a bit of rust and chemistry with the, the wide receivers. And as the game went on, they really kind of rallied around him. I mean, you mentioned some of the gutsy runs he had, you know, you get behind a quarterback when you see they're playing, you know, they're putting their body on the line for you. It's hard not to be like, okay, we're going to go win this game. And then they an absolute clutch grab by uh, Chris Godwin on the last drive as well. That basically meant that was it. That, that was time over. They could just run down the clock. So some really big moments for the books. Um, you mentioned their defense. They've got seven starters still from that, that Super Bowl team. They've got first uh, four first rounders on that defense. They, they've got a very good defense. If Baker Mayfield can kind of just game manage, not you know, eliminate any mistakes and have games like this where in the moments where it matters, come up clutch. There's no saying the books can't be a lot better than people think. They they, they didn't have much of a run game, uh, if I remember rightly, because from what I saw, the very limited highlights I saw, Rashad White just couldn't get anything done, and he he was the RB one for the Bucks, um, but he had a lot a lot of efforts, not a lot of yards to go with it, so. I think that 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 could be something that can be worked on as well. You can't. Baker's got needs time to to gel with that offense if he's going to have any success whatsoever. And if you don't have a run game, sort of to back it up in the meantime, you're going to get nowhere. So the de- you, you can't rely on the defense all the time. Um, and I think we saw a couple teams last year. It's just not going to work if you do have to rely on defense all the time. So work to do, but <laughs> the Bucks are one and all and. That's the main point for them. Yeah, well, the Vikings now come up against the Eagles on Thursday night. They're, they're staring down the barrel of 0-2. Uh, and I saw a crazy stat with Rashad White, and I don't know it off by heart, but it was something like he had like minus 38 like net expected running yards. Basically, he was like the reverse Barry Sanders. Like You know, you see Barry Sanders goes backwards and then somehow get, gains eight yards. Well, seemingly Rashad White went backwards and just kept going backwards because like they've said, 17 carries, 39 yards. 2.3 average that's you know you're looking for four or five yards from your starting running back at, you know per carry not not two that's that's poor that's poor uh, speaking of poor we then go over to New Orleans where the most boring team oh, in the entire no. NFL played the New Orleans Saints uh, in front of 70,024 fans the Tennessee Titans were awful they were absolutely awful Ryan Tannehill was garbage in this game he really was take nothing away from the saints defense they looked really good um and Derek Carr first game Jake I thought he looked all right but I'm not going to talk about it this is your team I'm going to let you talk about it saints titans take it away I think there was eight combined field goals which is a week one record that kind of sets the tone of what kind of ugly game this was the Saints fumbled off kickoff, so I was ready to, you know, drink something other than alcohol uh, after you know, three seconds into the Saints game. Every uh, Rashid, uh, Rashid play was just must-watch. Literally every single time he touched the ball, something good or bad happened. It was it was insane. It, it was really a battle of the kickers and, and the defense. You mentioned Carr there, 305 yards, a touchdown, a very clutch third and six, 41-yard bomb to Shahid. 
There's a blocked punt in the Superdome, which is always fantastic, especially when Steve Gleason is present. The uh, you know the elephant in the room, the the Titans, as Derek Carr's going to throw, clearly fumbles the ball, kind of took rule esque. They blow it dead. So the Titans, who would have got a big kind of recovery, maybe even a touchdown, it was hard to tell because obviously Saints players gave up. It would have been a massive um, kind of change in field position either way. They 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 blowed it dead, completely opposite to the the Jaguars game where you're supposed to let the play go out and then you can figure out from there. What you don't see is on that play, Jeffrey Simmons yanks to, uh, Trevor Pennon's um, collar, meaning Arden Key, who absolutely torched Trevor Pennon all game. But it meant he got a very easy way to the, the quarterback, and there should have been a defensive holding call, but it obviously wasn't. Uh, that went up to Booth Review, and they stuck with the call, which was very interesting. And, and Titans felt hard done by. Like I say, there was defensive holding on it, so if they'd looked at that, it's different. Um, Chris Olave on a massive bomb, was 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 absolutely impeded and there's somehow pass interference wasn't called and not many people are talking about that. Everyone's focusing on the Titans one. And borderline Shahid had a touchdown where his knee was down. That wasn't talked about either. So I don't feel too sorry for the Titans myself. I think the officiating as a whole was just very poor that game for both teams. And then yeah, Tanil. Sixteen of thirty four, three interceptions, a twenty eight point eight rating. Just pretty, pretty poor. Uh, last thing I want to kind of get your guys' opinion on is the Titans are the opposite of the Lions. They had a fourth and six from the Saints eleven, with two minutes sixteen left, down you know down four points, and they kicked a field goal, and that to me was absolutely ridiculous. And that obviously you know gave the game. Even if you don't get it, you know, you're fourth and six on the Saints 11. Say you, you've, you come up two yards short. The Saints are on their own seven-yard line. You've got three timeouts. You've got the two-minute warning. You're only down four points. Even if the Saints get a field goal somehow from that, you're still in the game. Why are you kicking a field goal there? Mike Vrabel, like, answers on a postcard. That is an awful decision from me. And personally, as a Saints fan, I was very happy when they kicked a field goal, thinking, okay, we've got the ball. All we've got to do now is just not give it back to them. Um, yeah, that, that to me, I'd like to get other people's opinions on it. That to me just felt very like you've just given up. I'm, I'm all for trusting your defense, and obviously the offenses weren't great that game, but very questionable decision by me. It was. Um, he obviously watched the Packers Bucks playoff game from, I'm going to say, 2020, where the exact same thing happened. The Packers were down by four, kicked a field goal with like three minutes to go, uh, with, with a, a fourth down. And I think that one was on the on the Bucks 10-yard line or something like that. And they had a fourth and one and kicked a field goal. And then Rodgers never saw the ball again. Uh, again, and they ended up losing that one. This was exactly the same. You think, what, what are you doing? I mean, that's just boneheaded. It's just insanity there from, from Mike Rebel. Um, Dave, what do you think of this one? Well, just to... Uh finish up on Jake's point there about Mike Vrabel I actually noted the exact quote in my notes from his press conference uh, so basically it was it was basically summed up that he was banking on his defense forcing one more point um, but he's got if, if we want to be a great defense we have to be a great defense all the time we tried to put the game in their hands and I thought we'd get a stop when we made the decision to kick again what okay. I said after uh, well I mean loser mentality you're just hoping for but if you if, if, you, if you trust your defense and you want to trust your defense, go for it. Do you know, as, as Jake said... If, yeah, if, that, that's if, your defense. Yeah, that's you trust your defense, go for it. And then even if you mm-hmm. don't get it, 
and they drive down a kicker field, you still only need one score. Being down but, by yeah, four, being down by seven, it, it makes no difference. It's the same. You need a touchdown. doesn't matter if you're down by four or down by seven, or even eight. Still need a touchdown, regardless. Sorry, Dave. Sorry, on you go. No, I was, I was just going to say, he, he, uh, Mike Vrabel might want to consider changing his name to something along the, ni- the lines of um, Nick Vrahek, Vraka or something along the, <laughs> that's that line because what? it's just that that's the kind of same silly decisions that I've seen in the last 12 months as well. But yeah, just to, just to echo what Jake said, Brian Tannehill was awful. And at one point in time, he was one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league, and he's still not exactly underpaid. Um, Derek Henry, the only thing that really stood out for him, I think at one point he just, I don't know, he committed kind of GBH on a cornerback by, or a defensive back by launching him into next week <laughs> at one point with, with, the, with a stiff arm. But that's the only positive thing I saw from the Titans. Uh, Don, DeAndre Hopkins looked okay, um, but obviously quite often he was double covered, which you know, from the Saints' point of view is very smart. They didn't have much else. Traylon Burks doesn't look fantastic. It's a, a bit of a painful game, but Derek Carr, he, he, he's, I, I imagine he's quite bruised and beaten up this week uh, because I think, was it four sacks, I want to say? Um, and did he not at some point get an elbow in the face uh, or some sort of flying limb in the face as well? So, yeah, it, uh, it was a harsh uh, debut for Carr, but Rashid Shahid was definitely the player of the game for me. The the Saints defense was pretty good as well. Titans defense wasn't terrible and by any stretch of the imagination, but the Titans offense was what lost the game, I'm afraid. If you look at off, the two offenses, two defenses, it was Titans offense that lost it, but Saints get off their winning start and Derek Carr winning start, so... Good, looks like a good investment so far. And he showed some speed on his feet as well, which I was quite impressed. He did indeed. Derek Carr looked, you know, pretty... I don't, I'm not going to say reborn. But he looked good. He did look good. A lot of people were right Rejuvenated. Rejuvenated. Yeah, rejuvenated. That's rejuvenated. The one. Yeah. Uh, now, one thing I do want to mention, because uh, Jake brought up in the Kansas City game, Kansas City Lions game. Um, Jawan Taylor, or Jawan James, who, who is it? Who's the, who's the offensive yeah, line? Taylor, yeah. Taylor, Taylor is Taylor, yeah. Taylor, right, okay. Quite often, uh, the Chiefs are lined up offensive line this sort of this sort of rainbow, where the, n- neither of the tackles are on the line of scrimmage, and he was like two yards in the backfield, um, and it wasn't getting called. Now I've seen this not get called for years. It never gets called, and it does my head in that it doesn't get called. Never mind the fact that there were so many false starts that should have been called, but just weren't. Um, but you reminded me of this one, Dave, because why are stiff arms never called hands to the face? <laughs> when 90% of them are. That's a foul. You're literally sticking your hand in someone's face mask and doing that. Shoving them out. Or that's, up, that's, under their, up under their chin, into their throat it's, kind it's of hand, thing. That's yeah. hands to the face. That's a foul. If, if an offensive lineman does that to a defensive lineman, it's called every single time. But when a running back or a receiver does it to a, a, a defensive back or a linebacker, never called. What's that? I, I can see the rule changing. Uh, I can I can see it changing in the next kind of five, six years that uh, if there is a stiff arm, you can't go above uh, the neckline, just, basically. Just, just I, don't, I think. Don't stick it in the face. If you're going to push them on yeah, the shoulder, 
fine. And we've seen Derek Henry do that, grab someone by the shoulder and throw them. I have no issue with that. But like one, the one, one of them, it was like literally under the face mask and, and pushing the guy away. That's, you know, anyway, sorry. I just had mm-hmm. to get that off my chest. I do apologize. <sighs> Moving on, gentlemen. Hang on a second. I need to get my whistle out. Oh, no. I've got to get my whistle out here because no, it's time. Yeah, I'll, 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 t- I'll tell you where you can put that whistle. It's this time is. for <laughs> the Brock Party hype train. The San Francisco 49ers went into Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers in front of 67,679 fans. And all they did was absolutely beat the snot out of them. The 49ers defense is terrifying and the offense just as terrifying they looked so good in this game particularly i mean against a very very stout pittsburgh steelers defense the 49ers looked a sensational brandon Ayuk had a game brock purdy had a game christian mccaffrey had a game it was wonderful to watch if you're not a rams fan sorry dave it, it was. Steelers. It, it, sorry, what was that? Sorry, what was that? Well, I think it's Steelers. Oh, Steelers. Oh, oh, Steelers. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> Apologies to the Steelers fans who might be listening in. From a neutral point of view, it was incredible. Um, Brock Party looked amazing. I thought I was, I was so happy to see him back. And bonus random stat, or, or does anyone else have the Brock Party bonus random stat? No? Nope. Nope. Brock Party is the first quarterback in NFL history to start a six first six games, win all six, and have multiple passing touchdowns in all six games. Brock Party. I'm, I'm doing it again. I know you can't hear it through Discord, but trust me, the, the people listening at home can hear my hype train whistle for Brock Party. Uh, Dave, San Francisco 49ers, Pittsburgh Steelers, take it away. No, thank you. Um, yeah, so this <laughs> Jake, do you want to this, take this, <laughs> yeah, anyway? Moving on, yeah, just anyway. <laughs> I mean, the only thing I can really say is that there was maybe two players on the Steelers that actually bothered to turn up, um, and one was TJ Watt, who was the only reason that the Steelers it, it wasn't kind of 60 points and it was only 30 kind of thing. Uh, and the only one, other one that I noted down as being impressed with Presley Harvin. The Pittsburgh punter, because he punted, he had six punts for 254 yards and a long punt of 57 yards. That is the only kind of highlights that the Steelers. Uh, and then on the other side, it, it, I, I mean, I just I don't even know at this point anymore. It was just it's not fair. There should be there's got to be some sort of inquiry, some sort of financial regularity at the 49ers. This is just not fair anymore. And it hurts even more because next week, guess who they're playing? They are playing at SoFi Stadium against the LA Rams. So, I, I, I it's, it's like it's just off. I don't, I don't even want to talk about this nonsense anymore. That's and then, of course, Nick Bosa last week signing his new, brand new, one hundred seventy million dollar contract. So I have to look at him up against the Rams twice a year for the next five years. Just, ugh, it's horrific. And we- Fred Warner. Who I do, who I have kept calling Frank Warner. That's Fred right. Warner is the best linebacker in the league, I'm afraid, and I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Um, Jake, let's put him out of his misery. Why? Why don't you right. talk about the San Francisco 49ers and the Pittsburgh Steelers? That was a very unbiased one, well done, Dave. Uh, well, the, the Steelers <laughs> did punt or turn it over on the first five drives. They didn't get a first down until after the two minute warning. 
it was it was diabolical. Uh, TJ Watt, as you mentioned, three sacks. He now ties James Harrison's franchise record of 18 and a half sacks. He just did it in 89 games fewer. Uh, he had two false fumbles. He recovered one himself. He really did try his best. Uh, sadly, Cam Hayward is on the IR, I believe, so it doesn't get any better for poor TJ. He's really a one-man wrecking crew. And then as for the, the 49ers, we mentioned Purdy kind of picks up where he left off. Uh, Ayuk is definitely his favorite target, and they've got a great connection. So when we were talking last week about someone's got to go, and Debo and Ayuk were both on that, um, might be Debo uh, going somewhere. Uh, CMC, 151 yards rushing, 17 yards passing. The the D-line had five sacks. Drake Jackson had three by himself. And then, as I kind of alluded to earlier, this was my favorite play of the entire week. 65-yard rush by CMC. He got two big blocks. Ayuk um, helped block early on. He got up a a run of steam. And then as it comes into the pitch, you start seeing the end zone. Ray Ray McLeod is just bullying a defender, letting Christian McCaffrey just waltz in, basically untouched. What a touchdown. What a team. Um, if you know, if I'm Christian McCaffrey and I'm seeing my two wide receivers, one of which is you know needing to get paid next year, putting their butt in the line for me with those kind of blocks, I am ecstatic. I just, again, contrary to what should be a, a belief of mine, because the 49ers play in my conference, uh, I really hope CMC stays healthy because I just want to see what this 49ers team can do if they actually avoid injuries for once. Yeah, yeah, uh, they they looked just fantastic. They really. Well, I think I, I think the best quote to sum up the entire game was from Mike Tomlin, actually, who basically summed it up in one sentence: "We got kicked in the teeth today in a lot of ways." So I think that's pretty much the the only way to describe that game. So yeah, yeah, let's move on. Okay, we're moving on, <laughs> moving on, and we go from one young quarterback to another: the Green Bay Packers, the Chicago Bears. In front of 62,456 fans, what is Jordan Love going to look like? We have no idea. What we do now, 1527, 245 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, 123.2 rating. And Justin Fields is a bad quarterback. There you go. I said it. He is just bad. There's, there's no escape. I've tried to defend this guy. Because of the place he makes with his legs. But there's just no getting away from the fact that he's not very good. And it's just... It's it's hard to quantify just how bad this Bears offense looked. They were horrendous in this game. The score really flattered them. 38-20 to 20 really, really flattered the Bears in this one. Um, but they, they had turnovers, they couldn't move the ball, the, the Packers were doing whatever they wanted with it. Um, Jake, I'll put it to you first. What did you make of this game? Well, that's 11 straight losses for the Bears. 10 in a row versus the NFC North. That's the 13th time in 14 games the Packers win at the Bears. I mean, it's it's all very, very bad reading for them. And as much as I want to highlight the Packers and how good Jordan Love was, I will leave that to Dave. I'm going to leave this short and sweet and say the only thing worse than Claypool's zero receptions for zero yards was his effort. Retire. Leave. Stop playing football. It's not for you. I you know, tried to avoid piling on, on Tony. I'm, I'm all for you know being nice to players. 
Chase Claypool get off the football field. I'm sick of seeing it. Steelers are sick of seeing it. Bears are already sick of stealing it. Zero effort. Get off the field. Retire. Stop playing football. It's clearly not for you. And uh, Dave, uh, before I put it over to you, the man who I thought was going to make a big difference uh, to the Bears, DJ Moore, two catches, 25 yards, but he didn't really have a chance. He had no chance to do anything in this game. What did you think, Dave? I mean, he was only targeted twice as well. So, I, I mean, you know, if, if he's not, if, if Fields looked at him for more than one second, Fields was, someone was going to hit him. That, that, that was it because every, he glanced at him, saw that he wasn't open or, you know, the, the cornerback um, wasn't quite where he wanted it, straight looked away to anybody else that was a potential receiver on the play. It was... I mean, it, it, the, the only bright spot for Justin Field was, I think, his touchdown throw to Darnell Mooney. Um, that that was okay. I, I, I thought that was a good play. But there wasn't much else good play uh, about the Bears. I'm really annoyed about Jordan Love, though. Because I think we said it months ago. It's not fair that the Packers have another good quarterback. They've just got... They've gone through Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer... Jordan Love, if he carries on what he did at the weekend, there has to be some sort of inquiry. There has to be some sort of go go get Brett Favre pee in the cup. Aaron Rodgers pee in this cup. Jordan Love pee in this cup. There has to be some sort of inquiry, some sort of investigation because this is just not okay. The Packers should not be allowed to have a, a, a potential a third straight potential hall of fame quarterback that that's it's not okay and you know we're cheering on the lines this year uh, yeah i'm I'm, but, I'm not ready to call jordan love a potential hall of fame player he looked good no, but he, he did he, look that's good. what i mean I was, yeah. he, it should be he shouldn't they shouldn't have this many good quarterbacks over like a quarter of a century they've only it's only their third one and yet another one just rolls off the pit of the line like it's just oh yeah next one up and he's still amazing it's ridiculous no but uh, look Packers turned up Bears didn't really and you know the 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 face I think the optimism uh in the crowd before the game was very quickly wiped out uh, uh, when they realized it was just more of the same but pre-game it you know it was hype they the, the they Bear, were had so much hope the Bears fans for weeks so ever since Aaron Rodgers left Green Bay the Bears fans have been saying this is it this is our turn. We're going to do it. We're going to beat the Packers. We're, you know, this is going to be our division. Even if Jordan Love hadn't played that well and he was just mediocre, the, the Packers have still won this game. The Bears were terrible in this game. Absolutely awful in this game. It's just, I didn't like it. Anyway, anyway. I've, I've, I, want to, I want to come back after my, my tirade against Clay's Paul. Um for Aaron Jones, he shined. He had nine nine uh, for forty one running on a touchdown, two for eighty six on a touchdown, um on the in the, no, in the air. Quay Walk had a pick six. And then I just wanted to kind of touch on what Dave said there about, you know, Packers, it's not being fair. Well, I'm noticing a pattern. Brett Favre wasn't a rookie when he was at the Packers. He'd been kind of bounced around a little bit. Aaron Rodgers then sat for like two years, year, two years. John Love's now sat for three years. Guess what? Patrick Mahomes sat for a year as well. Why, you know, NFL is all about patterns. There's clearly a pattern that if you give your rookie quarterback a chance, you kind of give them a chance to get used to an offense, bed themselves in, and don't just throw them 
into the fire, it tends to work out a bit better. So I think Green Bay, sure, Jordan, no one kind of knew what Jordan Love was going to be, but he's had three years. They've moved on from, from Aaron Rodgers, and they committed to Jordan Love. They did that for a reason. They've liked what they've seen, and it's a it's a tactic that's worked for them. And why, why stop? You know, if the clock's not broken, why fix it? Well, indirectly, Joe Burrow sat for a year. Like you know, not well, intentionally. Uh, yeah. Trevor Lawrence was <laughs> Trevor Lawrence was able to sit usually lie on his back for a year as well. His first year, so they both are turned out to be pretty good quarterbacks. So you know, maybe not quite in the same way that Jordan Love did, but um, yeah, they, they, I think yeah, you need that kind of learning, uh, elite level learning, because obviously college can only prepare you so for so much in the NFL, and they need that direct hands-on approach which obviously is some the the much higher picked quarterbacks have learned the hard way but um jordan love has not had to learn the hard way and he's been behind one of the best that we've ever seen arguably in aaron Rodgers. so yeah i mean it, it had to come together at some point surely so he's maybe he's just showing the fruits of his labor very possible. And Chase Claypool does need to retire. Yeah, I think I'm we're not all saying, I'm, not, I'm not sorry. Uh, I'm <laughs> not sorry. You shouldn't be sorry, Jake. That you're absolutely right. That was, that was dire. Uh, speaking of dire, actually, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> shouldn't say that. The Las Vegas Raiders travel to Denver to take on the Broncos at Mile High Stadium, because that's what it's called. And in front of 76,299 fans watched Sean Payton with the opening kickoff attempt an onside kick. And I'm going to be honest, I liked it. It didn't work. Didn't work because of illegal touching. You know, I thought that was already Deshaun Watson did that. Um, it didn't work, but I liked it. I thought this, this, it, it just put a stamp on it. This is Sean Payton's team. Now, I know, because I, I should point out, the Raiders won this game 17-16. And I know that it's the same score as week one last year. I, I know this. So you don't need to say it. Okay. Thanks, Jake, for pointing that out. Now, result was the same. The game wasn't. Sorry, the score was the same. The, the result wasn't. Because, yes, the Broncos lost. Yes, they lost 17-16. But this team looked infinitely better than last year's Broncos. The reason they lost was twofold. One, the kicker. The, the kicker misses an extra point, misses a field goal. To be fair, it was a 55-yard field goal attempt. So, you know, but you've got to make your kicks. You're at mile high, so you're not needing to, you know, put your legs through it to make it from 55. Um, so, you know, they left four points on the field. Also, clearly the, the sidelines a mile high are too narrow because players kept stepping out of bounds, particularly Philip Dorsett, who Patrick Jackson told me is not a very good player. He, he said this, you know, he says he's, he's going to cost you games. Well, he essentially a surefire touchdown was left on the field because he stepped out of bounds before he caught the pass. It wasn't like he was, oh, along the sideline. The pass was perfect. He literally just stepped out of bounds for no reason whatsoever. Uh, Samaja Pirine looked good in this game for the Broncos. He also stepped out of bounds, cost the Broncos 10, 15 yards, but that was a, a different scenario. Now, the 
the Raiders, Jimmy Garoppolo, hats off to him. Hats off to him. He did everything required of him to win that game. And it was spot on. He played as perfect a game as you can play against what should have been a very good Denver Bronco defense. But I forgot. I forgot that Vance Joseph is now the defensive coordinator for the Broncos. And I shouldn't have forgotten this. And I, lit, I honestly, I forgot that it was Vance Joseph. And then when I was watching the game and I went to the sidelines and I saw that face on the sidelines and I <laughs> thought, oh my word. What have we done? We had one of the best young defensive coordinators in the entire NFL in Ejiro Evero. I finally learned how to say his name. Now he's no longer on the team. Ejiro Evero had, the Broncos had one of the best defenses in the entire NFL last year, despite the fact that they come consistently uh, were given short fields and opposing offenses had all, you know, just half the field every single time. This year, the Broncos couldn't so they couldn't get any pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo none like he had all day to throw the ball they didn't sack him once they hurried him twice and one of those was called a personal foul roughing the passer now there was two other personal fouls one on Justin Simmons when he went in uh, when Garoppolo was sliding didn't like that. Justin Simmons is a very smart player. Very unlike him to do that. Didn't like it. The other was on Kareem Jackson on, I think, Jacoby Myers. That, oh, I didn't like that one at all because uh, I didn't think that was uh, unnecessary roughness. That both players were going to the ground. His helmet, his hel- it wasn't helmet helmet. It was sort of helmet to shoulder pad, but it's, it's un- classed as unnecessary roughness. That essentially kept the Raiders drive alive, killed the game for the Broncos. Um, there were only about seven possessions in this entire game. <laughs> it, was, it was like seven or I think it was eight possessions the Broncos had. One, three and out. One, two punts. I was more than happy. So I am not, I'm, 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 I'm irritated that they lost the game. I'm not infuriated that they lost the game like last season, week one. They didn't lose it due to incompetence, uh, possibly a little bit by Vance Joseph, not blitzing. You know, maybe, you know, if you're not getting pressure on the quarterback, maybe throw another guy in there, just saying. Anyway, uh, but I've got a lot of hope for this Broncos team. Um, They really missed Jerry Judy. That was obvious. But they've got Marvin Mims and didn't use him. Lil Jordan Humphrey, shout out to him, got his first touchdown. First drive first drive for the Broncos. Touchdown Lil Jordan Humphrey. Good to see Corton Sutton back. He caught one. Russell Wilson looked much sharper than he's done. But if we're going to be giving shout outs here, Jacoby Myers for the Raiders. Um just destroyed Damari Mathis. I know Mathis is the Broncos' fourth string cornerback. Um, Pat Sertan did a number on Devontae Adams. Absolutely took him out of the game. Uh, but Mathis had no answer for Myers. And the Broncos team had no answer for Max Crosby. That man is a game wrecker. And absolutely, he single-handedly um, killed one of the Broncos drives. I forget which one it was. But he had a sack. Um, and then he forced a bad throw. And then he 
forced a holding penalty and the Broncos ended up with like third and 40 or something like that. Like three consecutive plays. Max Crosby was lights out in this game. He looked fantastic. I'm I'm done. I'm not going to talk anymore because I'm not really, really angry at the Broncos. This is a new feeling for me. It's a new, I, it's it's nice. Even though we lost, it's, it's okay. I've got a lot of faith. Judy comes back. We'll look better. We get our cornerbacks back. Get Baron Browning back. So many injuries. Once we get those guys back, things will be better. Javonte Williams looked fantastic coming back from injury. I'm actually kind of happy, even though they lost. A little bit annoyed, but that's all right. Um, I forget who went first last time. Who was it? Jake, Dave? Who went first it's last so time? Long, it's been so long ago. It's been so long, yeah. <laughs> it's a long time. Right, Jake, we'll put it to you first. Uh, Broncos readers, what did you make of it? I didn't have many notes because I knew this would happen. Um, so all I wrote down was all Jimmy D, all, all Jimmy G does is win. Uh, the Raiders, Ra- Raiders now seven straight over the Broncos, which is very concerning when the Raiders haven't even been that good. I think Patrick Mahomes is like 15 and 0 yes. against the Broncos, but yes. that's kind of, you know, you can live with that because it's the Chiefs and it's Patrick Mahomes. The Raiders being seven and 0 or seven straight is, is very concerning. I did write down Will Lutz, Mr. PAT. I think we definitely won that trade. Uh, and only 52 air yards in the second half. I feel like the Broncos and Russell Wilson going into half looked very good and promising. And then second half felt like a different team. Just kind of felt like you, you got away from what was working. It was, you know, an ugly kind of finish. Uh, and, and Jimmy G, very similar to, to Baker Mayfield, kind of putting his body on the line from time to time, gets, uh, gets your players going. Yeah, Jimmy G looked good. Dave? I mean, and not a whole lot to add, just Josh Jacobs, null and void. It was just nowhere really to be seen. The Broncos shut down the run game really effectively. Um, but I think it all, I've also got borderline confirmation that Pat Sertan is a top three cornerback in the league now. I'm, the, I mean, you know, before you could say, oh, yeah, top five, he's, he's on the cusp of it. I, I think he's potentially... He's got potential to be the best if he's not already right up there. So Devontae Adams is a no answer for him whatsoever. But, you know, the Raiders had Jacoby Meyer. Absolutely fantastic uh, play there. And there wasn't a whole lot um, the Broncos secondary could do against him. Uh, a couple positives, though. Russell Wilson looked good. I thought he looked really good. I mean, it was 2734, two touchdowns, 108 QB rating. I'll take, you take that any day of the week. Uh, downsides, probably that the curse of 16 points for the Broncos is not over. Um, that's a pretty bad curse. Will Lutz had hit that extra point? <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, Will Lutz has just been engulfed in this curse as well. I think Sean Payton's dragged him down to the pits in this one as well. The two things Sean Payton has done wrong since taking over Letting Brandon McManus go and letting Ejiro uh, Evero go. Mm-hmm. There, was, there was no need for it. And, and I know he likes to bring in his own guys. I get that. But Vance Joseph. <sighs> anyway. Bringing in his own guys is an understatement. I mean, Lil John Humphrey, Adam Troutman, Will Lutz. I mean. That's right. That, that's, that, that's the other thing. That's the other thing, Jake. Right. So. You mentioned Troutman. Mm-hmm. He's, yeah. he's, he's okay. He's, he's all right. He's fine. He's fine. Nothing wrong with him. He's fine. But he could have, on that third down, 
he he could have just ran past ran past the player and got a first down. Instead, he tried to cut it upfield and just ran straight into a player and didn't get the first down. The Bronx had to punt on the last possession of the game. Now, here's the other thing. A couple of weeks ago, the Broncos let Al, um, Albert O go. They traded him to the Eagles. Remember that? And I was like, why would they do that? Silly decision. Yeah, because... Um, maybe flash it back a bit. <laughs> Flashback. When I said... When they traded Noah Fant the year before, I said, I don't like it, but they've still got Alberto, so it's not as bad, you know? But when they traded Alberto, I said, well, hang on now. All they have now is Greg Dulcich and three blockers. Greg Dulcich gets injured. They had nothing. Ru- Russell had no one. Absolutely no one. They were, they were, they were clamping down on Cortland Sutton. They, you know, they were taking the other receivers out of the game. All they had left was tight ends, and the tight ends couldn't catch. And when they could catch, they literally looked slower than Jimmy Garoppolo. It was just, I was, I was annoyed. That was annoying. Sorry. Sorry. Well, what do you think the chances are that the Broncos attempt to trade for Taysom Hill? Um, I don't. The, the multi I mean, I, hey, listen, I, I, would, I would love to have Taysom Hill in the Broncos. I would. I don't know how Jake would feel about him going. He does not. He does not make it out of the building. There's no way he allows him out of the building. The Broncos now have a problem at tight end. Yeah, a real problem because they, they they do not have a pass catching tight end. Sorry, what was that, Jake? Jimmy you Graham. Have Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham. I would. I would take Jimmy Graham. You just need someone who can catch. They don't have anyone who can catch now. If Dulcich doesn't, I don't know how he's got a leg injury. What does that even mean? The leg's got a lot of parts to it. What's a leg in Is this whole leg going to fall off? Come on. You can give me some more info. I don't know how long he's out for. If he misses four, five, six weeks, the Broncos are in real trouble at the tight end position. Real trouble. They, because you need someone who can catch a pass. And they, you don't need George Kittle. Nice to have. But you don't need... You just need someone who, who is a reliable receiver. They do not have one. That's a problem. So, anyway, sorry about that. Sorry. Uh, I was just going to say as well, just to, sorry, Jake, to, uh, there was just two things. One, uh, Dulwich is a knee injury of some kind, so he was going for scans earlier, early this week. Oh. And also, I was going to question uh, Randy Gregory. Non-existent, non-existent, as far as I was the, concerned. The Broncos he, pass rush was non-existent, didn't it? Yeah. That, Jimmy Garoppolo he's, had He's the money player. Side. He's the money player on that defensive line as far as I'm concerned. He, or he's one of the main money men uh, on the defensive line and I, I don't know, did he get maybe one tackle? That's the only thing he did in the entire game. It was pretty poor. Very poor. Very poor. Uh, honestly, so Jimmy Garoppolo played in a white shirt and it was still white right up until his final drive when he slid for a first down. Because they never got near him. It was... I've, I, you know, when you're just you're pulling your hair out, like someone get some pressure on the quarterback, and Jimmy Garoppolo, people, you know, people will slag him off. He's not got a big, huge arm, but see when he's got five, six seconds to throw, he's going to pick you apart, and he did it. Yeah, and and there you go. Anyway, sorry, we we need to move on. This podcast is going to last forever because I'm talking <laughs> about the Broncos. I do apologize, gentlemen. I apologize. We will move swiftly on to a game that was a, a polar opposite. As I say, the Broncos Raiders had like eight in t- total possessions. The Miami Dolphins went to SoFi Stadium to take on the Los Angeles Chargers, and this game was backwards and forwards from the word go. Uh, it was 
36-34 to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, they scored the go-ahead touchdown with just 1.45 to go. Tua was magnificent in this game. Absolutely magnificent. He was being pressured all day long. And he still threw for a million yards. It was it was great. It certainly doesn't hurt to have Tidy Kill catching passes for you. Um, and on the final drive, uh, Herbert just couldn't get it done. Vic Fangio, remember him? He was a good defensive coordinator. He uh, just dialed up the blitzes on Herbert in the final drive and just snuffed out any chance they had whatsoever of getting a, the final touchdown. Um, I, I've forgotten the game. Who went for, uh, Jake went for us last time? Dave! Dave, Chargers, Dolphins. This was a fun, fun game. We've talked talked about games that have been defense, defense, defense. This was offense, offense, offense. And the only player that I can recall getting any kind of contact on to it was former Rams. I think it was third choice defensive tackle, Sebastian Joseph Day. Um, and, you know, he moved over to our little sister club in uh, the Chargers. So, um, yeah, it's, I mean, Tua. I, I I wasn't the biggest Tua fan. I never have been, but I'm starting to get a little bit sold now. He's, he, there's just the, uh, he, yeah, 466 yards. When you've got, I, I mean, you should when you've got Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle as your wide receivers one and two, you should be making those kind of yards. But you've got to have the skill and the F and the strength to do it. Um, but Tyree Kill, 11 receptions, 215 yards. There's there's teams that didn't even get that in total offense this week. And Tyreek Hill, has, he's run the length of the pitch twice with some more to spare. Incredible. It was an incredible performance. Um, you know, there, there, there was, it, it, I, I don't even know what to say. It was just, it was a blitz. It was like an all-out offensive blitz on either side. Herbert had his weapons back, so we, we now know what the Chargers are capable of. They've literally just come up short. Um, I think Austin Eckler looked amazing. Uh, I've, got, I've got that note down. That he looked, it was amazing. Dolphins' run game was non-existent, but in this case, it didn't really need to be. I mean, Raheem Mostert was uh, RB1, 10 guys for 37 yards. He did get a touchdown on the board, but which, I mean, they don't. they just don't need a running game at this point. They, they just launch it to whoever and boom gone how how Mahomes and Tyreek Hill did not break regularly 2,000 yards a year I don't know it's just, just you know between the two of them it, that they, if he had carried on there it would have been amazing but two, two words to answer it that. is what it is two words to answer that Travis Kelsey yeah, yeah, but, uh, maybe exactly. Tariq didn't like the limelight be sharing the limelight with uh, Travis <laughs> Kelsey but when, yeah, but when Kelsey wasn't available Tariq would have been available when Tariq wasn't available Kelsey would have been available it's just it's, uh, that would have been a horrible triangle yeah, to go you know to try and mark the two because they, they, they Mahomes would just get it done either way but you know uh, the, again Dolphins are looking primed as long as they keep injury free they look primed for a really successful year so uh, look in in their division. As long as it's not the Patriots, I I, I wish the Dolphins the best in in that division. Jake, just before I put it to you, so you mentioned two are there. Um, he mm-hmm. wasn't sacked in this game. Nope. They they could barely get a hand on him. They uh, they were throwing the kitchen sink at Tua, and he was releasing it so quickly. Honestly. If he'd been right-handed, you'd have thought Dan Marino was back there. Some of the times, it was like one, two, three, bang, the ball was gone. I'm, I have to actually wonder if maybe 
uh, the coaches or whoever it is, uh, coordinators have obviously because Tua has had problems with concussions in the past, that they've changed the way he's throwing the ball and saying, listen, one, two, three, ball's gone. Don't give them a chance to hit you. And that's what it looked like. Jake, what did you, what did you think of this? That Dolphins offense looked incredible. Yeah, with, with Tron Armstead out, I'm sure it was part of the game plan in terms of let's get that ball out quicker than quicker than usual. We've got to protect you. It was just kind of a, a record-breaking or record kind of day in terms of offense, as we've all mentioned. I mean, to a, that was most ever uh, most ever yards allowed in the air by the Chargers. It's the, the fourth most in an opener ever. There was two ties, nine lead changes. It was all kicking off. Um, Tyreek Hill, that's the third best receiving total in week one, 215. That's his third game over 200 yards as well. So it's not uh, something new to him. The 536 total yards yielded by the Chargers is the most in an opener. And then the, the one bright spark for the Chargers, they ran for 234 yards and three touchdowns. That's the fourth time since they've rebranded and moved to, to LA that they've gone over 200. So they've kind of got a winning formula there in terms of what, what works for them. But I'm kind of over Brandon Staley. I'm, I'm kind of over it. I feel like if the Chargers had Sean Payton or insert elite coach here, they would be doing better than they are. I'm kind of over it. Um, I feel like we're wasting Herbert a little bit. Um I don't know if other people agree. Maybe I'm being a bit harsh on Staley, but I, I just kind of want to see Herbert with a better coach, if I'm honest. Um, I agree with you 100% there. I think uh, Herbert may be one of the most talented quarterbacks we've seen in many years, um, and it's his talent is being wasted there in Los Angeles. They're just not giving him a chance to, to be able to do what he is capable of um so we then move on to the philadelphia eagles traveling to new england to take on the patriots in front of sixty-four thousand six hundred twenty-eight fans and the eagles came away with a winner it looked from the first quarter like the eagles were going to run away with this one they were 60 nothing up with two minutes 39 to go in the first quarter but the Patriots rallied back with 14 unanswered uh, to go in just down by two at halftime before in the fourth quarter, um, the Eagles, Jake Elliott, he had uh, three, uh, sorry, four field goals in this game. Uh, he had three in the second half before Kendrick Bourne uh, caught an 11-yard pass from Mac Jones. They failed a two-point conversion and weren't able to uh, get it done there. So the Eagles come away with a 25-20 win. Um, Jake, I'll put it to you. What did you make of this one? Jalen Hurts had a pretty quiet day from what we looked like. Mac Jones' arm has probably fallen off after this game. I don't know how many passes he threw, but it was a lot. It was well over 50. Um, what did you think, Jake? It was very odd. It was not the, the Philadelphia offense we're used to. I mean, I put that down to kind of Bill Belichick and the Patriots defense being very good. Um, like I say, the Eagles looked comfortable very early, and then the game got very, very close. Uh, there was a bad and almost very costly fumble late by Hertz, and him and Lamar both had one this week where they ran, did not protect the ball at all, and kind of just dropped it. Um, and you know, just gave up on it and it was very concerning if I was uh, a fan of either of those teams that my quarterback one isn't protecting the ball and two I'm sure you know they are worth a lot of money you paid them a lot of money so you don't want them getting in a scrum but at least try and make an effort for the ball reminds me of Cam Newton in the Super Bowl uh, Bill O'Brien though his offense Mac Jones threw at 54 they didn't get too much done on the, the ground 22 rushes only 76 yards 
Zeke went for 4.1 average. Ramondi Stuven uh, seems to know only 2.1. He was quite uh, quite good in the, the past game, though. So I wouldn't want to see more from the, the run game going forward from the Patriots. But 36-54, 316 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. I think it was the Vikings game you said if you looked at the box score, you'd think the Vikings put up, you know won that game comfortably. Well, if you look at the box score, New England looked better. Um, but Philadelphia Eagles, they, they win. They, they now get the Vikings on Thursday and sure to be a very interesting game. They're just going to keep kind of going on with that defensive line of just monsters. Dave, what do you reckon? Uh, I think it was last year I said about the Eagles that quite often they come firing out the blocks and then just disappear for the rest of the game. Like last year they were putting out 28, 35 points quite early on. You know, by, by, by half time, sometimes they were 28 nil up or 28-7 up, and then they just kind of slowed down a lot. This was a more extreme version of that. Uh, I think I've made a couple of adjustments from the Patriots and kind of cancelled out. Uh, a lot of the Eagles' uh, offense, but um, I, I liked what Mac Jones was able to do. I mean, the amount he was asked to do because of the non-existent run game, I think he did pretty well. Uh, the only he had one pick in the game, and you know, very sadly, it was to Darius Slay who then returned it for the touchdown. Uh, so he, apart from that, he had three he had three touchdowns through the air, and yeah, you know, he was he was pretty decent. I think at the end he made some. He could have played a bit better um, through the air, pretty much. But you know, the the uh, I think the the main thing I, I took from the game was that the never underestimate the Patriots and the Eagles need to play for the full four quarters because they did not. They rested on their laurels and they nearly paid the price for it. So I am like Jake was saying, Jalen Hurts. I'm not quite sure what bad decision he made there why he made such a bad decision because he's putting not only his but he's putting himself at risk of injury but he's putting uh, he's also at risk of losing the ball and which he did lose the ball so that was a very poor decision because i was watching that game as it was rounding up and yeah it was it was a weird decision um i don't know is that maybe something that just needs to be addressed in the the film room or whatever but if they're gonna get to the super bowl again this year those kind of errors need to be stamped out. And like I said, they really need to play for four quarters, not just two, one, two, the first half, basically. So work to do for the Eagles, but you know, they've got that, they've got that W that's all that matters. Yes, indeed. And then we come to the Los Angeles Rams traveling to Seattle to take on the Seahawks in front of 68,683 fans and two things before I pass it to you, Dave, two things. Matthew Stafford is back, mm. clearly. And this game can be summed up in three words by Geno Smith. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which is what he said when he saw Aaron Donald battling through him. Uh, Rams looked fantastic. Uh, they won this one, Dave. I mean, it was the second half by the Rams was spectacular. 30-13, um, to 13, they won this game. And um, I'm not going to talk any more about it, Dave. It's your team. LA Rams, Seattle Seahawks, take it away. I mean, we just we did we didn't really show up in the first in the first half, and we were quite lucky to only be like uh, a, what was it one score behind? Like we were thirteen seven going into the break, I think it was. Um, but yeah, we've seemed to have found, we 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 lost we've lost Cooper Cup. He's out for at least four weeks. Step up, same again. We have a fifth round wide receiver 
that people were saying he's gone a bit too late in the, in the draft. But you know what? 119 yards on his debut. And it wasn't just him, though. It was Tutu Atwell as well. Tutu Atwell stepped up. He's been virtually non-existent uh, for two years. He's had a couple deep rolls, but apart from that, not a whole lot. But Puka Nakua, a fifth-round pick that I didn't expect to see much of him at all. He might have done some special teams. He doesn't quite have the speed for special teams, but he made some one or two amazing plays. He was tearing up that, that Seattle's um, defensive back unit left, right, and center in that second half. But one stat really stood out for me uh, was that in the second half, at one point, Seattle had three yards compared to the Rams, 258. They were, the Rams had one more yard than the Seahawks in the first half, and it really didn't feel like that. It felt like it was the, the Seahawks were, I was going to call them the Seahawks, more like the Sea Frauds in that second half, uh, because that, that's pretty much the way the game went. But, the, uh, I mean, DK Metcalf needs to be suspended by the league for what he did to Witherspoon. Uh, he, just a young rookie cornerback. Um, he, he, after the game, he was asked about it, and he said, I was just blocking. The play was long over. He took out Witherspoon, uh, and he, he basically uh, cut up, I think, he, uh, on his face, on his arm, on his leg, on his hip kind of thing. Like mul- multiple multiple con- contusions, as they say. So he, it's pretty cut up after he hit the turf. Um, and he was eventually, I think maybe about 60 seconds later, he was flagged for taunting. And it cost the team 15 yards. Um, he basically looked over at the sidelines uh, after he was getting some heat for what he did to Witherspoon, because everyone saw it except from the officials. Um, but yeah, th- this was a magical game uh, for him. For me, it was just nice to see something positive uh, against the Sea Frauds. And yeah, it, it was quite. I was quite happy to see P- Pete Carroll's face. Pretty disgusting. But I was going to highlight that play by Aaron Donald because that I burst out laughing. And it was just, I, I may have, may or may not have woken up my daughter because, you know, five minutes later she was up, oh, I need the bathroom, but, you know, uh, yeah, Aaron Donald, ah, ah, but yeah, it was fantastic. Aaron Donald was just magnificent. Um, I think it was Kobe Turner, maybe our sixth or seventh, seventh round defensive tackle also got a sack as well. And Byron Young looked amazing, setting the edge. So we have a bright future. I can finally see it. If we get injuries, we are fighting the Cardinals for the wooden spoon because our set our second strings are just not quite enough. But I'm enjoying this now because I know what's going to happen next week. So I'm just going to be happy for a week. That's all. I, that's all I ask for. But yeah, that, that's it for me. Just let me be happy for a week, Jake. Yeah, the the Rams eleven of seventeen on third down. They had nearly forty minutes of possession. That was Matt Stafford's 58th 300-yard passing game. So just continuing to kind of pad his stats and, and weave his way towards Hall of Fame nomination. I One of the only things I noted down for Seattle, uh, on the flip side there, third down, they were two of nine. They settled for field goals very much like the Texans. And the only other note I had was the dirty hit by Metcalf. I'm unsure how he wasn't ejected. A lot of times you see players get fined you know in the week they get the fedex fine and that that's not good enough this man needs to be suspended that is 
completely out of order. You know, there's times where people take, you know, cheap hits or cheap blocks that, and, you know, but at least the play is ongoing or blocking the back. You know, at least it was part of the play. That was just him throwing his toys out of his pram, completely unacceptable. Also, just one little stat as well 44% of Seattle's drives went three and out. That was that. That's a really it's either a really something against their offense or something in our defensive favor. So uh, I was quite impressed with that as well. But yeah, and uh, as just a one last note on Metcalf, uh, pre-game he was asked what are your thoughts on the Rams secondary, and his his reply was, "To be honest with you, I can't name one player in their secondary." Well, he can now, and yeah, that that's karma in a nutshell. So we love the Seahawks, obviously, on this show. Uh, so we're very sorry to see them lose to the mighty LA Rams. That brings us to the Sunday night game where the Dallas Cowboys travel to MetLife Stadium to take on the New York Giants in front of 80,809 rabid Giants fans. And they weren't for long. They were very quiet, very quickly. The Dallas Cowboys. I watched this game and I couldn't tell... If the Dallas Cowboys had maybe gone back in time and brought back with them the doomsday defense, because this game was one of the biggest, the score was 40 to nothing to the Cowboys over the Giants. And I I apologize for any Giants fans listening. I apologize, but it should have been 70. Your team were absolute garbage is one of the worst performances that i have seen on opening day in years it was horrendous um they had a blocked field goal went for a touchdown there was a defensive touchdown the cowboys offense themselves you know Dak prescott didn't do anything in this game he did nothing didn't throw any touchdowns didn't throw any interceptions had 143 yards passing in the game he didn't need to do anything. The rushing attack was pretty good for the Cowboys, but this defense, Micah Parsons, was in the backfield. And there were some, I, I forget the other Cowboys player, number 54. It, it's going to bother me what his name is. It's escaped me for the time being. There was, there was at least two plays where he was in the backfield with Daniel Jones before the offensive linemen had even got out of their stances. And it wasn't, you know, offside. They were just so quick off the ball, the Cowboys. The the Giants had no chance in this game. Jake, what what did you make of this? It was an absolute shellacking. What I make of it is the person that made the smartest decision on Sunday Night Football was me. Uh, I was exhausted after <laughs> watching the Saints grind out a win, and I thought, you know, I always stay up for the late games. This is going to be a corker. You know what? I've got the, you know, the zone. Uh, I'm going to just watch the game in 40. And by God, am I glad I did because that was a schlacking. Um, the only notes I have was the, the Athletic posted, no team has ever lost 40 or nothing worse. Uh, lost the sack battle, 7 to nothing or worse. Lost the turnover battle, 3 to nothing or worse. Had a blocked field goal returned for a touchdown and thrown a pick six in the same season. The Giants did it all in one game. Bingo. <laughs> oh, you know, I, 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 I know a couple of Giants fans. 
I know these people, and, and they're, they're lovely people. They didn't deserve that. It was terrible. Anything else, Jake? <laughs> what can you say no, about that? That's, that's, that's all, all I've got was just Dallas looked fantastic. The Giants looked shocking. I think we need to see how the season progresses to kind of see which one is more realistic. You know, are Dallas just going to be this dominant? Or are the Giants all of a sudden very bad now that they've paid Danny Dimes? Dave, um, what do you reckon? Is, is the Dallas defense this good? Um, Trayvon Diggs forced two fumbles. Well, he's like a fumble and caused the, the interception by a, mm-hmm. a really, really good hit. Um, Mike Parsons, as I say, was everywhere. Are, are the Cowboys this good or are the Giants really this bad? I'm I'm getting vibes of a Cowboys 49ers NFC play, uh, conference final. Um, yes, the Cowboys are that good, but the Giants are also that bad. Dion Jones' quarterback rating was 32.4. Now, Tyrod Taylor came in at some point in the game. He, you know, he's he's back up to Daniel Jones, and he was two for two for just six yards. You know, and he had still more than double Daniel Jones's rating. He was seventy nine point two. Daniel Jones was thirty two point four. Um, he had a few rushes to Daniel Jones, no more than eleven though. Uh, Thirteen rushes for forty three. It was, but the only bright spark on that. New York Giants team offense was Darren Waller because Saquon was just he, he he can't carry the entire team by himself. You know, we we know he's one of the best running backs in the whole league, but he can't do it all himself. And in the end, it, it I mean Darren Waller was the only good kind of bright spot. He made some good catches from not great throws, so he was made to work even then. Um, it was just turnovers and fumbles and. Everything really, and they look. Dak, Dak didn't have much to do. He didn't. He didn't need to do anything wrong. Dak Jones, Dak Jones. That that would that would be a horrible combination here. <laughs> um, Daniel Jones did everything. Did everything and wrong and more. So, excuse me. Um, look, Dak Prescott he only threw for 143 yards, but the Cowboys still put up 40 points, and it, they just didn't need to put any effort. And it was horrible to watch. Um, for all Giants fans, I'm sure Tim will be uh, extra happy and elated. And because when I woke up in the morning, there was many messages from the group chat, uh, primarily from Tim. So, uh, yeah, it was a it was a good game if you're a Cowboys fan, and it was possibly the worst ever opener to a season if you're a Giants fan. It was it, it was horrendous for the Giants, absolutely horrendous. Um, so, gentlemen. That brings us to the final game of the week one recap. It was the Monday night game at MetLife Stadium. The Buffalo Bills travelled to New Jersey. Uh, I learned this time, Jake, thank you. From New <laughs> nice. York to New Jersey uh, to take on the New York Jets, New Jersey Jets, in front of 83,345 people. The Jets are a higher attendance than the Giants. Just saying. And do you know Why? Because they were all pumped to see their new quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. The Jets finally, finally have hope for the first time in a long time. And in fact, I was reminded watching the Rich Eisen show that uh, Vinny Testaverde came out and he was the honorary captain. And 24 years ago, Vinny Testaverde blew out his left Achilles on opening day. 24 years. And he came out. 
and four snaps into this game. Aaron Rodgers goes back, gets rolled over, boom, left Achilles, blown out. He is out for the season. And that's it, guys. The Jets are done. That's them done for the year. They've got no chance. In comes Zach Wilson. What's he going to do? Well, I'll tell you what he's going to do. He's going to lead the New York Jets to a 22-16 victory over Buffalo. This one went into overtime. After Tyler Bass kicked a field goal as time expired to bring the Bills back. They were losing 16-13. of 16 all as time expired. But they couldn't get anything done in overtime and they had to punt it away to Xavier Gibson who took the ball 65 yards for a walk-off touchdown. And the New York Jets, Zach Wilson played well. He actually played well in this game. I was shocked. I think most people were shocked. Dave, put it to you. The New York Jets, the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen came on afterwards and said it was his fault. It was his fault that the Bills lost this game. But... Let's be honest, they had no business losing this game at all. And I know you want to talk 100%. about the running back. So I'll let you go first. I, I, I think Josh Allen is spot on. He absolutely did lose the game. The decision-making was a below-average quarterback. You know, not one... Like we, we think of Josh Allen as one of the top quarterbacks in the league. He did not perform like that whatsoever. Now... I don't. I, the the Jets did have to go out and win it, you know. Um, and obviously, it was in overtime. It was one of, one of the best things I've ever seen. But um, yeah, the 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 Jets, like you said, they had no business winning it. Uh, I know that you were quite you 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 thought that the the performance um, by Zach Zach Attack was better than what he's done in previous years. I saw a lot of the same things that got him dropped. There was a one point where he was maybe 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage running away from Bill's defenders and nearly got caught for the sack before he finally threw it away. There was just no chance whatsoever of him get finding a receiver. But I tell you what, we have a new star in the league and it's not even that new. He had a great year last year, but Garrett Wilson made an un Unbelievable catch! That ball, that, that it, was an inter, that was an interception. That was an interception waiting to happen. That throw. Yep, and it, that 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 was that was quarterback. It, it wasn't the best throw, but oh my word, what a catch! And then of course you you've got Brees Hall with two monster runs. It just the, you know these two guys, they're young. They're the future of the franchise, as far as I can see. They've got a good, a very good defense. They've got some big guys that were getting through, pressuring Josh Allen or just basically annihilating the run game. But at the same time, what a way to what a way to finish it. The, a rookie. Can you a rookie returning it uh, all the way? You got one one lovely juke, two key blocks, one right at the start, and I I was going. Go on, go on. I was watching at 40, can I just tell you? I, I, I wasn't cheap, but I, I I was watching it on my break, of course, from work. Um, so I, I was definitely uh, doing that. But um, <laughs> Yeah, it was, a, it was a long... Look, I took an extended lunch, right? Anyway, moving very swiftly on. Uh, the, uh, it was... Um, I, I, I just... I couldn't believe it. And, you know, I, I, was, I, I was so happy. That is the stuff that dreams are made of. 
you know, right there for a, a rookie on his debut in the league. Get getting the return, punt return down the side, a few in and out, one fantastic block right in front of him, about 10, 15 yards from the line, winning the game for the jet for the Jets. That's fantastic, especially after what happened to their quarterback. Like you said, four snaps, 75 seconds. Did he not just sign a $75 million renewal? Something along those lines. And one million dollars for every second it was on. That's it's horrible to see. Um so yeah, obviously we were because especially because of his caliber, we wish him all the best. I think the Jets season has been part pretty much cancelled. Zach Wilson is not good enough to carry the team. But there is also actual rumors circulating that the Jets might have sounded out Matt Stafford as a potential trade, which I do not approve of whatsoever. I wouldn't think so. Uh, Jake, we'll put it to you. Uh, for obviously, it's the final game, final game of the recap here. Um, talk about the game, but yeah, talk about what's going to happen with the Jets season going forward. Do you reckon they stick with Zach Wilson? Um, I'm not sure. People saying Tom Brady is hilarious because there's no way Tom Brady would agree to play behind that offensive line. There's a reason that Aaron Rodgers ended up getting mauled. Uh, he was rushed on every single play he had. People are blaming the turf. Well, he's got a dodgy calf, which is a precursor to an Achilles. And if you have six foot six Leonard Floyd land on you like that, pretty sure your Achilles would give up as well. Um, this is the third time, the third year, where we've had a potential Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes matchup. That won't happen. In 2019, they were supposed to play. Uh, Mahomes had a knee injury. In 2020, they were due to play. Rodgers had COVID. And this year, obviously, Rodgers is now out with his Achilles injury. So Patrick Mahomes is always compared to being, you know, athletically gifted like Aaron Rodgers. That's kind of the comparison. And we may never get to see them kind of share a field, which is devastating, really. But uh, for the Bills, they, like, as we mentioned, they had absolutely no right to, to lose this game. And everybody loves a gunslinger. But you think of gunslingers, you're like, oh, Brett Favre. You don't want to be like a gunslinger like Jay Cutler. Um, it's it's he did lose the game, and at least he came out and said it. But it doesn't change the fact that he made some boneheaded mistakes, and they've been happening a bit more frequently over the last year or so um, than they have been previously. And what is the common denominator? There's no Brian Dayball to kind of show him the way. I feel like that's a, a big thing. That's kind of the, the difference. Um, as for the Jets, yeah, the season's kind of up in the air. Never has a win felt so empty i would imagine um like wilson might not be the player to elevate the jets to a big season but this defense will keep them in every single game no matter who's at quarterback i mean from top to bottom that defense is just disgusting um it will be interesting to see what they do they've surely got to sign our quarterback because i'm pretty sure their third stringer and our backup is tim boyle if i'm not wrong who's you know roger's friend he's not an nfl starting quarterback so you definitely need to bring in someone Colin Kaepernick saying he's his agents rang out. Um, seeing as we're on a podcast, I'm just going to say Natalie Dormer. Um, just to let you know, I am interested. Just thrown out there because I've got as much chance of getting with Natalie Dormer as Colin Kaepernick does starting for the Jets. Natalie, uh, two things. First of all, no, get in line because I've already put the feelers out uh, numerous times. Um, for some reason, I'm blocked. But anyway, uh, well, that's beside the point. But also, big shout out to Jordan Whitehead three interceptions of Josh Allen as well, so fantastic. Um, Natalie, if you're listening, and, well, she should be. If you're not, then why aren't you? Uh, then let me apologise for, for Jake and Dave's advances here, particularly Dave. 
I don't. Put I've been. Blocked. I've not. I've not been blocked. Yeah, yeah, Dave's not. Blocked. All I'm saying is uh, that Jake, if Jake's not ever, blocked. If... Sorry, so yeah, no, you know what? Jake's a nice guy. You, you do well with Jake. Not sure, Dave. I'm already spoken for Natalie, so can't can't be doing. Anyway, gentlemen, that wraps up our week one recap. It was a long one. It was a wow. long one. However, we have no not done. Weeks. What was that? No bye week, so it's a full slate again. No bye week, so it's for the first first four weeks, we're going to have a long podcast. Uh, thanks for staying with us. Uh, coming up, we've got our week two rapid fire preview, and of course, random stats. So, gentlemen, just before we do our uh, week two rapid fire preview, we've got the WinFL awards. Da, 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 da. We are going with Offensive Player of the Week. We'll start with you, Jake McGee. Offensive Player of the Week, week one. I nominated Tyreek Hill. 11 receptions, 215 yards, two touchdowns on 15 targets. Dave, who's your Offensive Player of the Week? Uh, quite obviously, it's going to be the best wide receiver, wide receiver rookie in the league this year. in Puka Nakua, 10 receptions, 119 yards destroying the sea frauds secondary basically essentially so yeah offensive player of the week 100 percent um i'm actually sticking with the rams i'm picking matthew stafford i thought that was an incredible comeback from matthew stafford and he looked sharp he was firing laser beams uh, i was tempted to go with two i have to admit but the fact that stafford came back for his first game uh, after his injury and looked like that i'm taking Ma- matthew stafford for a offensive player of the week we then come to defensive player of the week jake mcgee who have you got Come on dave highlighted early on jesse bates 10 tackles five solo tackles two passes defensed two interceptions dave uh, it's. I mean, for me, it's got to be Jordan Whitehead uh, of the New York Jets. Three uh, pick, picking off um, Josh Allen three times is by by no easy. Well, it's it's just not easy whatsoever. Um, but yeah, you know, he also had a couple of tackles as well. Um, he was just in the right place at the right time each and every time that Josh Allen decided to have a bit of a bad time, bad throw. So yeah, uh, Jordan Whitehead of the New York Jets for me. I'm in agreement with Dave there. I'm picking Jordan Whitehead as well. Uh, those three interceptions were, were the, the difference um, in that game, and he just he looked fantastic. So uh, Jordan Whitehead wins uh, my Defensive Player of the Week. Um, we then come to Special Teams uh, slash Defensive Unit of the Week. We might just call it Unit of the Week. I like that. <laughs> hey, Jake, what have you got? Defense Special Teams. I nominated the Cowboys for their seven sacks, ten tackles for loss, eight passes defense, hit the quarterback 12 times, and they covered two touchdowns. So you can't really ask much more from a, from a defense or a unit. Dave? I was going to go for Xavier Gibson uh, for you know that, the overtime uh, debut return for a touchdown, a game-winning walk-off touchdown for the Jets against the Bills. But... I'm going to go for the return of one of the greatest defensive players of all time in Aaron Donald, who made Geno Smith absolutely, I can't put this nicely, I can't even say the words, but yeah, he scared him uh, into oblivion when he realized who was coming at him. And after he, he was double blocked, Bill managed to get away from him, get around them and made Geno cry basically. So I'm afraid I've got to go for Aaron Donald. 
And I'm going for, for a unit, a defensive unit. Aaron Donald by You're himself. A unit. I, I Have it. you seen okay. Aaron Donald? <laughs> he is, he a, is unit. a unit. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm with Jake. I'm taking the Cowboys in this one. That, that, just all across the board, the Cowboys defense was monstrous in that game. Um, and of course, they, they blocked a field goal as well for a touchdown. So they did it on special teams and they did it on defense. Dallas Cowboys uh, wins that award. So there we are. That is our uh, awards for week one. Looking forward to week two, gentlemen. It is a week two preview, rapid fire. And we start with the Thursday night game. The Minnesota Vikings are traveling to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles. And I've got the Eagles winning this one, but another close game for the Vikings. I've got the Eagles winning this one, 27-24. 24 20 to the Eagles. 30 points, 27 for the Eagles. Ooh, clean sweep for the Eagles. And we then uh, have the Chicago Bears going to Tampa to take on the Buccaneers. <sighs> After what I saw last week, I'm taking the Buccaneers to win this one fairly handily, actually. Got them winning this one by a score of 27 to 10 over the Bears. Controversially, got the Bears winning 20 to 16. <laughs> got the Bears 20 to 17. I think the Bears are just going to win it. But yeah, I think me and Jake are thinking along the same lines. Or maybe I can pull one back in the pickums here then. Um, then of the Indianapolis Colts going to Houston to take on the Texans. Um, so it's a battle of the, the young quarterbacks here. I'm I think Richardson comes away with a win. I says he goes into Houston, comes away with a win, got the Colts winning this one in a low-scoring game, very close one again, a 17-16 to the Colts. I also have a one-point game. I have the Texans winning 13-12. to I've got 17 points to 14 for the Texans. Nice. We then have the Green Bay Packers going to Atlanta to take on the Falcons. And I think the Falcons prevail at home against the Packers in a high-scoring affair, but still another close one. Got the Falcons winning by 30-28. to 28. I've got a lot of close games as well. I do have the Packers edging it 19-18. to 18. I've got 27-23 to the Packers. Falcons push them all the way, but Packers come away. We then have Kansas City travelling to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars. Pat's going to like this. I've got the Chiefs going 0-2. I've got the Jaguars winning this one on another high-scoring affair, but with a surprising 38-28 victory. All right, Patrick, I've gone Chiefs 28-26. Very close as well, I'm afraid. Uh, I've, I've gone for 31 points to 27 for Kansas City. We then have the Las Vegas Raiders travelling to Buffalo to take on the Bills. And I think the Bills start 0-1-2 because they have got the Raiders sneaking a win here with a 19-17 victory. Jimmy Garoppolo, all he does is win. All he does is win, except this week. The Bills, 31-21. Yeah, I'm afraid I'm with Jake in this one. I, I think the Bills are going to come back on this one. I've got them win by 30 points to 20. Well, I've, I've really gone against both of you guys in almost every pick here, haven't <laughs> with the exception of week one. Um, uh, we then have the Ravens uh, traveling to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals, and I've got the Bengals bouncing back. They're not going to be 0-2. Uh, they're going to win this one in a uh, fairly low-scoring affair. It's going to be 21-17 to to Cincinnati. 20-22. to 22 with the Ravens taking it. Ooh. You're both going to be... He's shocked, probably not, but I've got the Bengals, but I've got even closer than the Perrys because I've got 21 points to 20 for the Bengals. We then have the Los Angeles Chargers travelling to Tennessee to take on the Titans. I think the Chargers keep on going from what they did last week, and I think the Titans do exactly the same as well. I've got the Chargers blowing them out 41 to 13. 
24-10, I predict a clean sweep here for the Chargers. I think Titans will pick up, but I think they'll just fall short. So I've got 24 points to 20 for the Chargers. We then have the, De- uh, the Seattle Seahawks traveling to Detroit to take on the Lions. And I've got the Lions winning this one at home by a score of 24 to 20. Brand new Lions, 27-17. 31 to 9 for the Lions. <laughs> no, no questions. We then have, uh, th- this might be the most difficult game I could possibly have predicted. The New York Giants are traveling to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. And I think the Cardinals are going to win. I do. I honestly think if the Giants play like they did last week, Cardinals are going to win. It'll be a low scorer. I've got 16-13 to the Cardinals. I've got 17-6 Giants. Okay, uh, yeah, uh, I've got the Giants to win, but I've got 14 points to 13. It's just going to be absolute horrible, horrible rubbish. Uh, We then have the San Francisco 49ers traveling to Los Angeles to take on your Rams. Apologies, Dave. I'm taking the 49ers, and I think they're going to put up another big win. I've got not as big as uh, last week, though. It's going to be 27-10 to the Niners. Yeah, me and and Dave had a good thing going until I predicted 35-15 to the the 49ers. Oh, that's painful. Uh, I I think it's going to be closer, and I think uh, I I want to pick my Rams. I really do. I I mean, the Rams look good on the betting line because they're only seven points down, but I I think that's been quite kind. So uh, I'm going to say a conservative 31 points to 20 for the 49ers, sadly. We then have the New York Jets traveling to Dallas to take on the Cowboys. And I think that Zach Wilson is in for an absolute horror show against this defense. Um, I've got the Cowboys absolutely crushing the Jets in this one, 27 to 3. I've got 20 to 9, obviously, for the Cowboys. Uh, 35 points to 9 for the Cowboys. We have the Washington Commandos traveling to Denver to take on the Broncos. I think the Broncos improve on last week. I don't think the Commandos do. And I've got the Broncos beating that curse of the 16 points. Uh, they're going to win this one by a score of 24 to 16. Yeah, I believe that the Broncos go back on track and the Commandos didn't impress me. Broncos 27 to 17. I've got the same score, Neil. So I've got the Broncos winning by twenty-four points to sixteen. That was just, yeah, I, I, th- I, that's exactly what I was going to go for. But you kind of stole my catchphrase. But yeah, Broncos twenty-four sixteen. Not at all. Uh, we then have the Miami Dolphins traveling to New England to take on the Patriots. Dolphins have always been the Patriots' bogey team, and nothing is going to change. In fact, I see them putting on another offensive masterclass, and I've got the Dolphins winning this one by thirty-five to twenty. I have a bit of respect for, for Bill and the defense, so I think the Dolphins just win 21-12. to 12. I've got a Dolphins win, but I think it's going to be really close. I think Patriots are going to push them. It's going to be a Dolphins to win by 27 points to 25. We then have the New Orleans Saints traveling to Carolina to take on the Panthers. I'm picking your Saints, Jake. I've got them winning this one by a score of 20-14. to 23-10, who that? I, I I think it's going to be a really close game. I don't think the Saints are settled, so I'm going to go for a 20 points to 17 win for the Saints. And we then have the final game, which is the Cleveland Browns traveling to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. I wasn't impressed with the Browns, I have to admit, despite the defense. I think the Steelers will get back on track, although it'll be a close one. They'll win with a last-minute kick, uh, and it'll be 27-24 to Pittsburgh. I have it coming down to a last-minute kick as well. Steelers 17-14. to 
Yeah, this I'm seeing a very close trend here because I've got the Steelers winning by 20 points to 17, but I'm not saying anything about the timing. <laughs> and that wraps up our week two rapid fire preview. Nice one, gentlemen. It's been a long podcast because there's been all the games, no bye weeks. We've gone through it, but it has come time for random stats. Random stats. Jake, would you like to go first with your random stat? I will indeed. It's a bit of a lengthy one for me. Um, I remember last year we talked about Kirk Cousins and his consecutive games that touched on. We completely cursed him. Well, I'm sorry, you and I'm about to curse your quarterback. Jared Goff is closing in on the NFL record for consecutive passes without an interception. Goff has thrown 359 consecutive passes without an interception, which is third most in NFL history. I don't believe you. His la- <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe you. His last interception came in week nine of last season. He's closing in on the number two spot, which is held by Tom Brady, who had 399 passes in a row. That streak ended in 2022. (laughs) And Brady also had 358 pass streak previously, which Goff broke on Thursday. Goff needs 44 more straight passes without an interception to take the number one spot in all time. And uh, so who was first? Um, Rogers had 403 straight passes without an inception. So he's got to pass Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Not, you know, no small feat uh, kind of overtaking those quarterbacks. Realistically, that should take maybe a game and a half, two games. So keep an eye out for Jared Goff. Probably about to throw four inceptions. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love a good streak. I do, and that's a good one. I never, I, you know, I, I, I still don't believe you that he hasn't thrown an interception. Yeah, since I, we can I, I, I saw this. I saw something very similar online, and I had to double check it myself. I took time out of my day to double check that stat, and it was correct. It was painful <sighs> correct as well. So, yeah, where was where was he? Where was golf? Where was that? Just before he was traded. But goodness. you know, good luck to him at the Lions. Absolutely, you will be delighted. You'll be absolutely delighted. Wow, that's wonderful. Great statue. I love it. Uh, Dave, do you want to go next? I've got two very brief ones. Okay, two? Oh, so oh, two yeah, I, it's very, very brief. Don't worry about it. So, uh, obviously, I'm still ride, riding this hype train of the, uh, the Rams and what our young receivers were able to accomplish. But there was a little, a little franchise record set. Uh, for Pukunukua and Tutu Atwell. So they were the first Rams duo, aged 23 or younger, with 100-plus reception yards each since 1958. That is a long time. Now, the stats from the Tutu Atwell, six receptions for 119 yards. Pukunukua, 10 receptions for 119 yards. 238 yards between the two of them. And the first duo in his in, in Rams... Uh, history since 1958 and the the duo Del Schofner and Lamar Lundy and I have no information about them whatsoever. Del Schofner is in the Hall of Fame I'm convinced that he is now he might be. Was that game the 1958 game is that the one where Norm Van Brocklin threw his 554 yards? Correct because I knew that was 1958 that's uh, I, I how old were you then? Oh, wow <laughs> 
<laughs> just okay. <laughs> so so uh, yeah. that was that was unnecessary. <laughs> that, that was just rough, that. Dave. You, I mean, you walked into that one probably with your Zimmer frame as well. But you walked into that one. But uh, <laughs> okay. So moving on very very quickly. Yeah, so that, that was. Yeah, that was the first one. So, and also they be, they've actually got a new nickname because of that stat as well, the Ram Lambs, which I think is a fantastic nickname for them to have. But the second one, there was a 1,076th unique score in the NFL this week. A oh, score oh, gammy. Oh, we yeah. love score gammy. What was it, the 25? Was the Eagles game, was it? No. No, the the Ravens beating the Texans by twenty five points to nine. The one thousand and seventy sixth unique final score in NFL history, and that is my random stat. Oh, we love a Scottagami, Scottagami alert! Fantastic, yeah. twenty five to nine, wonderful. Thank you, Dave. Thank you for that. <coughs> okay, so my random stat concerns the Cincinnati Bengals, um, and as I was just sort of browsing the Cincinnati Bengals uh, encyclopedia page, as you do. And it was because of Joe Burrow's contract. Uh, And it did get me thinking about... The Bengals have had good quarterbacks before. Before Joe Burrow. And I'm going back to the 1980s. Boomer Esiason, who was a, a great quarterback for the Bengals. Took them to the Super Bowl in 1988 which they lost in the last second touchdown from Joe Montana to uh, John Taylor in that Super Bowl 23. But the following year, 1989, the Cincinnati Bengals, Boomer Esiason made a Pro Bowl. Um, James Brooks, the running back, made a Pro Bowl. Um, Rodney Holman, the tight end, made a Pro Bowl. Uh, they also had um, Anthony Munoz, all pro. Uh, they, they had some very good players. Very good players in 1989. And they, this team had a points differential of 119. Now, that's not spectacular in today's game. Good, but not spectacular. It was the second best in the AFC, only to the Denver Broncos, who had a 136 uh, points differential. And it was the third best in the entire NFL the San Francisco 49ers had 189 points differential. But here's the thing. Here's where the random stat comes from. The 49ers, 189 points differential, went 14-2, and two, went to the Super Bowl. The Denver Broncos, with 136 points differential, went 11-5, and five, went to the Super Bowl. The Cincinnati Bengals, with 119 points differential, went 8-8, eight and eight, missed the playoffs, bottom of their division and it's the highest points differential by any team in NFL history that didn't have a winning season that is my random stat speechless I'm speechless but Dave uh, Dave is uh, I, I, I was trying I was trying to speak uh, I, I was just going to say that that that's just unreal because four of their eight losses were by less than a touchdown yeah so it just and and then they blew away the 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 wins that they had. So it's 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 just a case of consistency. Maybe I think was probably it. But you know the the four hundred four points scored at, uh, in nineteen eighty nine were the fourth most in NFL history at the time. It's 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 just it's bonkers. It's absolutely bonkers. The other thing was that the Denver Broncos actually sewed up 
um, home field advantage by um, by week eleven, and they finished eleven and five like? because yeah. because the, the the AFC teams in in nineteen eighty nine were were terrible. The the Bills won the AFC East with a nine and seven record. The Browns won the AFC Central because that's what it was at the time, East Central and West, with a nine six and one record, and the Broncos won the AFC West eleven and five. They, when when they were ten and three, they they'd sewn up home field advantage through the playoffs. Abs, absolutely bonkers. The the standings for that the AFC Central: Browns were nine six and one, Oilers were nine and seven, Steelers were nine and seven, Bengals were eight and eight. They were the only team who didn't make the playoffs uh, from the AFC Central, and they had by far and away the best points differential. The Oilers made the playoffs with a minus 47. Steelers made the playoffs with a minus 61. I mean, what? <laughs> it's just... just goes to show you. Uh, offense wins games. Defense wins championships. Sort of I not about. say that a couple of weeks ago. You just you steal by tag like, yes, I did. <laughs> you did, yeah. of course, because, that, you know, everyone says it. it's it's so true. So, I mean, you, you yeah. mentioned how, um, you know, you, you can't rely on a defense. You're talking about Tampa Bay. Uh, to win and yet Trent Delfer and Raiders. John Brady both did so mm-hmm. with the Buccaneers I, I mean we, we hate on Tom Brady but putting him in the same bracket as Trent Delfer is maybe a step too far well they were both carried to Super Bowl wins by the defences mm-hmm. in fact all of Tom Brady's Super Bowl wins were carried by defences so I'm just saying <laughs> you know the views of Ian do not respect uh, you know do not reflect my views <laughs> We can't Any. even say that they they don't reflect the podcast because the main man is the <laughs> he is the podcast he is the podcast so we can't even say that it just Not apparently it does we'd Not like to all. distance ourselves for legal reasons <laughs> anyway gentlemen we've done it we've finished our podcast one of the longest podcasts we've ever done I think um, and it was at week one spectacular it was wonderful thank you so much uh, Dave. Very welcome. See you next week. Thank you, Jake. No problem. I will be sure to shorten it next week. I think we've gone so long without football, we got a bit carried away, but thanks for sticking with us. Absolutely. Thank you to everyone uh, listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, don't forget, you can catch us on Twitter at the Win- X Twitter, who cares? At the WinFL show, you can catch myself, Dave, Jake, Tim, Patrick, uh, everyone. Uh, is on there at some point. Um, And uh, we will catch you on next week's episode of the WinFL Show.